0: Welcome to this brand new, groovy episode of Warped Celluloid. I'm your host, Jack Rourke, with my esteemed, illustrious co-host, Chandler
1: Williams. Thank you, Jack.
0: How's it going, Chandler? What's the vibes like today?
1: I'm I'm hanging in there. It's a rainy day in Savannah, so, you know,
2: I was gonna I'm, say, there's I'm,
0: I'm cloud here. I'm over here in fabulous Las Vegas. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but seriously, though, things are actually really good on my end. Man, I'm doing pretty groovy for, for a change.
1: Nice, Even good to hear. Yeah. Anyway,
0: now I'm wondering what we, how we should a, or approach our guests. Karen, introduce yourselves, fellas?
3: Uh, hello see. there. I am previous guest Dallin Agatone. You might remember me from the Meet the Feebles episode. And I'm also the co-host of the um, informal irreverent um, film history and analysis podcast, Lost in the Vault, where we look at the Disney films that don't quite have the magic. You know, screw your Snow Whites and your Sleeping Beauties. No, we talk about the real shit, like the No Mobile. Like yeah, trench coat. Exactly. <laughs> I remember you were, I mean You introduced that to me as like I
0: mean, the noir Disney film that was I mean, That wasn't Roger Rabbit. I'm like, oh. <laughs> I was so disappointed because I wanted you guys to cover them. And yeah. I knew – well, doubly so, considering how I know how bad Trenchcoat is.
3: <laughs> we um, actually kind of dig cut, right? Yeah. I remember. I
0: all I remember oh, yeah. is hearing that 80s all over, they were very sour on it. So, uh, yeah, that one's probably going to stay on the watch list for a while. That's fair. Anyway. Um, you can't yeah, even
3: watch um, it on Disney Plus. It's not on there. You got to, uh, like, rent yeah, think- it, like – Shitty full screen copy through Apple. Oof. Yeah. Um. But well, it's yeah, like pen uh, and skin, right? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Apple. pan and skin.
0: Anyway, speaking of beloved trash from the eighties, what will we be talking
3: about today? We never let Amanda introduce herself, Jack. Oh crap! Oh crap! <laughs>
2: crap. Anyway, I was I'm so crap. sorry.
3: <laughs> we got um, derailed talking about Margot Kidder movies. <laughs>
4: May she rest in peace. Um, yeah, um, I'm Amanda. I'm the other, uh, the other one on that uh, podcast. Uh, you I don't do... remember
3: the name of our own podcast?
4: <laughs> no, I do. I just like being vague. Um, oh, this
3: episode's no. going beautiful so far. <laughs> why, why would you like being vague? We, we're hurting for no, listeners I mean, as it is.
4: No, we already introduced the name of the I podcast. Mean, so are yeah, we? I Look, our standards here are clearly low. <laughs> um i'm we're just uh,
1: happy to be here <laughs>
2: yeah.
4: um, i'm the co-host of lost in the Vote. um i am a writer and i also um do another pod i work with another podcast where i do writing and some editing called the Spellcast. s-p-e-l-c-a-s-t if you want to check it out, which out. Is like uh yeah which is like a like uh eclectic kind of th- uh of deal so yeah nice yeah, yeah. we're well,
1: glad glad to have y'all here
0: yeah, yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, us. man, it's groovy.
4: Anyway, <laughs>
0: Chandler, speaking of or in beloved 80s trash, what film will we be talking about today?
1: Today we'll be talking about Heavy Metal. Columbia
2: Pictures presents Heavy Metal. A trip beyond the future to a universe you've never seen before. A universe of mystery. A universe of passionate fantasies. A universe of terrifying evil. A universe of magic. Heavy metal. Science fiction.
0: Oh, righty then. Let's get right into it. Initial thoughts off the cuff, whatever your experience is with this movie, we're in the magazine, whatever. We're literally, let's just get the ball rolling on this.
3: I think we should let Amanda start, both because she's not been on the show before, and also to, like, make up for almost skipping over her introduction. (laughs) Yeah,
4: I'm so sorry about that. It's all good, man. I'm a
0: professional dumbass.
4: It's all good. Hey, same here.
2: So
3: professional dumbasses that could be another name for our fan base amanda we were talking about that <laughs> on the no mobile episode we, we, we we're we're waffling between either amanda's choice the lost causes or my choice the vault crackers or crackers for short <laughs> the lost causes is fucking beautiful thank you um, just... yeah I mean,
0: grazie the Italian <laughs> word for beautiful I was trying to do the chef's kiss thing, but you can't see me right now. <laughs> <laughs> um
4: Yeah, we we're diagnosing all our uh uh all our all the listeners with dumbass before like we even know them. <laughs> uh, oh, that's you know. sad. Yeah. I
3: mean if they're listening to us ramble about fucking Pete's dragon or <laughs> some or Bad Inspector Burger. Gadget, they probably are dumbasses.
0: I can't believe I liked the Inspector Gadget movie when I was little.
2: Yeah, Matthew I
0: kind of liked the Backstreet Boys. (laughs) I'm I'm not even getting little, or like, eight-year-old me actually kind of liked Which goes to show that that when I was younger, I had no taste. I liked the Howard
3: the Duck movie, for God's sake. Oh, God. (laughs) Amanda, Amanda (laughs) I actually saw a 70-millimeter print of Howard the Duck. Um, No fucking way. Yeah, we did. Uh, Granted, I think it was, like, the UK version, so I think one or two scenes were cut out, like Beverly finding the condom in Howard's wallet or um, Jeffrey Jones having, like, that weird spike ton that he hooks into the cigarette lighter of the car. I forgot about that
0: last bit. Like, oh, yeah, there's some wild shit in
3: this. The thing about Howard the Duck is that it's a movie... That is so unfunny that it goes all the way back around to being hilarious. Oh, it's yeah. retroactively funny. It's,
4: so, it, it, it's one of my favorite experiences. It's I was so watching. confused tonally that you kind
0: of just have to sit back and I'm like, what the hell am I watching? I, the, thing I, is, the original comics are great. and I know we're going off topic relatively early, but it kind of makes sense considering how, how much I love underground comics and you know, that mm-hmm. kind of 70s breed of Marvel with heavy metal. Like, the, yeah. co- the magazine, I mean, not the movie. Because yeah. the ma- the magazine, which this is based off, has a very interesting history. It was originally a French comic book called Metal Halon. Yeah.
4: Uh, uh, Mobius with- worked on it, right?
3: Wait, yeah. But- Mobius. The, Mobius. the, the French oh, yeah, artist.
0: We'll, but we'll get back into that, trust me, when we get to the uh, Harry Canyon segment. Mm. Anyway, or anyway, that or then it became really popular in the seventies and eighties for, for having earning a lot of cool fantasy and sci-fi art with a lot of hardcore sex and violence. Yeah. As but, it was. Anyway, do you, know, well, do they, you know what
3: company brought it over to the United States?
0: I don't remember, no, but I do remember who bought it out in the nineties.
3: It was okay. it was National Lampoon who initially brought it over. Oh
0: right. Interesting. Lo- and which actually feels fitting considering how the movie is so littered with uh, I with, mean, with with somewhat big names of comedy at the time, and that Ivan Reitman produced it. Yeah, <laughs>
3: exactly right. That's most, almost definitely. Well, I think in terms of like the comedy names, it's pretty much entirely SCTV, guys, because it was made in Canada. Similar to uh-huh. how Follow That Bird's entire cast is pretty much SCTV, guys, because that was filmed up in Canada.
2: Yep. You anyway. know,
3: yeah, you've seen Follow That Bird, right? Man. The Sesame Street movie?
0: If yeah. I did, I might have seen it when I was little, but I cannot remember. Yeah, same.
1: Anyways, Amanda, what did you think?
4: Yeah. Um. So, I've been meaning to watch this movie for a very long time because it uh seemed, like, right up my alley. I, like, so, like, I collect old, like, old comics, too, and I was like, do I have any old heavy metal ones? Um, I, realized I actually that I do. Didn't... Uh, nice. I realized that. I have uh... one of the ones from the late 90s, and uh, I actually, they're still
0: putting out the magazine. I remember I was in Barnes yeah. & Noble uh, last summer or in summer, I picked up a new issue, which, which uh, when we get to Den, we're going to talk about Richard Corbin's art. He's still doing mm. art for them to this day. And Stephen mm. King, oh, Stephen King did an issue for that, or a uh, story for that issue, too. Stephen- mm. Nice. The yeah. cover is awesome. And as you yeah. expected, the cover was fucking
4: cool. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, I love the, like, the, uh, 70s, 80s kind of, like, uh, fantasy and sci-fi art. And, like, uh, If it was
0: on the van of your local weed dealer, it's probably heavy metal.
4: Yeah, and it's cool as hell. And so I've I've been meaning to watch this for the longest time, and I finally did, and I was like, wow, this makes no sense, and it's exactly what I needed. (laughs) I was gonna say, honestly, this is one of
0: those movies that for the longest time is expected to be. If you don't see this as a teenager, good luck
3: enjoying this.
4: No, it's I think important. I still enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, I do too. I do too, and
0: I just rewatched it a couple nights ago. Mm-hmm.
3: Well, I think I think the reason you enjoyed it is that you're still mentally a teenager, Amanda. <laughs> I mean yeah. I am too. I mean I... <laughs> I I think I um I'm not sure how early the rest of you saw this, but honestly, this watching this film again makes for interesting bookends because I think I first saw this either when I was in my last year of high school or like after I graduated mm. high school. And yeah. then I, I'm watching now me heading into my final year of college. You know, yeah. it, it, you know, it's an interesting parallel seeing how much I've changed because I definitely um, found some differences in how I reacted then to heavy metal versus how I react now to heavy metal.
0: I first saw this the age of a lot of people when this first came out. Did I was I think twelve years old. When I first saw it because I don't know, remember. I think one of the channel awesome guys did a video on it. But the less said about that shit show, the better. Oh, yeah.
3: I think I think it was Nostalgia Critic with Diamanda Hagen.
0: Oh, All right, yeah. Ugh.
3: Which anyway,
0: it right, is, I remember which, loving this. Like I don't know what this is, but this is mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah.
4: This is I'm pure really,
0: unfiltered cool.
4: I almost wish I had well, I I um part of me almost wishes I had found it earlier and watched it earlier because I would have had a different appreciation for it, I think. But uh I also I even to this day I have uh, the taste of a 12-year-old boy from uh, 1982. So I mean, that's badass. <laughs>
0: Thank you. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, 1979 and 1982 is like a golden age of popular culture. Mm, it really is. It's a
4: good
2: time. 19,
0: especially 1979 and 1982. 80 and 81 were kind of a mixed bag, bag because those weren't really the 80s yet, not as we recognize yeah. them. No. I mean, that's the thing with the first couple of years in a decade that people tend to forget about is that that's like the transitional time when de- mm-hmm. when trends are still kind of taking shape and form Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like heavy metal, it came out in eighty one, but it is very much the late nineteen seventies.
4: Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, it's like pre. It feels like a like a a pre kind of like He Man kind of thing, you know. Like I was saying, it feels like a sexed up He Man. Yeah, it's it feels like sexed up He Man. It feels like uh the th- like a predecessor to a lot of the of things that came after it, like all those like you know. Uh, shitty '80s cartoons that we know and love, but uh, the animation barely exists on them. You know,
0: segment to that it reminds me reminds me of the He Man, but which is funny. I mentioned that in the magazine because uh, she's basically their mascot now.
3: Mm. Who yeah. Tarna?
0: Yep, makes sense. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. She's on the po- She was pretty much on every poster for this movie.
3: I it yeah, was, I, was there ever any actual Tarna comics in heavy so. metal? I, I think because. Well, I'm trying to think –
0: I think all of these were based on story, All most mm. of them at least.
3: I looked it up. I think half of them are based off of stories from the magazine. I believe it's uh, Captain Stern, uh, So Beautiful and So Dangerous, and Dent are all based on stories from the magazine. I know While- Dent
0: definitely is because Richard Cor- Cor- Corbin – that was Richard Corbin's design. And fun fact, he even did a poster for this movie that based on Dent. Dan, which I actually kind of like more than the main one. I'll mm. send it to Jordan eventually.
3: Sure. Yeah, show it to us. Um, But uh, the others, you know, like um, the car jumping from space the beast and the B-17, those were like originals written by Dan O'Bannon, you know, the guy who wrote really Alien really and Dark Star, which Dark Star is probably League, so. my favorite uh, John Carpenter movie. Mm. It's got this weird... Um, somehow, trigger, simultaneously man. anarchic <laughs> and mellow feeling to it. If that it's makes sense, this dude's goofing off on a spaceship, like, or in surfing the
0: cosmos mm-hmm. and reading and reading comic book, or in books and smoking pot. It's great. That's nice. actually also,
3: probably why so beautiful and so dangerous is my favorite segment. Mainly for those. Got, like,
0: it's also got a, a bomb that questions its own existence and an alien that looks like a beach ball. Oh yeah. yes, seriously. Oh, the, yeah. If anyone the this
3: is
0: this is the movie Jan O'Bannon uses the dry run for Alien, mm. because this is originally supposed to be a st- I mean, not this mean, Dark Star, I mean, it was supposed to be a st- just a student film they were doing for USC, but they dropped out and they're like, you know what, fuck it, let's distribute this. So they gave it to Jack H Harris, the guy who put out the Blob
2: or I mean, mm. Dinosaurs,
0: which uh, I have a friend in college named Ruby, and she was probably I mean, geeking out that I even mentioned Dinosaurs.
3: Which, <laughs> wait, the Blob or Dinosaurs or both? both?
0: They're both produced by Jack mm. H Harris. By the way, it's funny we talk about the rain ma- the magazine itself, or itself, because this film was largely unavailable on or on VHS. Like I think you could only see it on like HBO or bootlegs until we yeah. anticipate in the '90s. Yeah, uh, so
3: 1996 is when the tape came out and that yeah, and the reason it took so long is because of like music licensing issues yeah that was <laughs> that's really
4: funny
2: yeah
4: but here's the thing
0: kevin eastman uh the, one of the guys who created the ninja turtles uh, actually bought mm-hmm. out the magazine in 1992 and it, I mean, one of his really? big reasons why was because he wanted to get the movie back into circulation
2: mm-hmm. oh
4: that's 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 pretty cool it was a little re like a rebirth <laughs>
0: and he's still helping for the magazine to this day he's not the chairman anymore but he's still I mean, he's still got a major say in it
4: that yeah.
3: That's that's very interesting. By the way, have you guys um watched, like, the VHS tape of Heavy Metal? Like, Do any I of you? Um, well, I was just curious because I wanted to point this out. It seemed like, at least based on, like, the trailers that they put in front of the movie on the VHS tape, they had absolutely no idea... <laughs> who were they were selling this movie to. Let me give yes. you, like, a rundown of what trailers are put before this, this oh, movie. My oh, my God. Wow. So, yeah, what are they? Y- first, you've got The Last Supper, which is, like, an independent dark comedy with uh, Cameron Diaz and Courtney B. Vance and Jason Alexander mm-hmm. and Ron Perlman about, like, a bunch of, like, yeah, mo- well well-to-do liberals who, mm-hmm. like have, like, weekend dinners and invite, like, a Republican or some other type of conservative to uh-huh. kill him because oh my God. they decided that would be making the world a better place. Uh-huh. I had never heard of this movie before in my life before yeah. I watched that trailer on the VHS tape. I, I might have to check that out sometime. You then- you you said the last sorry
4: you said the Last Supper and then Cameron Diaz and my brain was was still on the mindset of like it's the like Jesus thing and I was like I, Cameron- do. I thought there was going to be some ter- or some terrible direct video anime. Yeah. I, I was like who is right? Right? <laughs> one princess
0: or some garbage. And I thought they were going to put on because they thought this was for children.
3: Yeah, I was <laughs> like, oh my god. Um. Um, I I meant more in this when I say they didn't know who they were selling this to. I meant in sense that each trailer seems to have like a directly contrasting tone and style. Because right. after that last upper trailer, which is like a, a grounded like dark comedy, you yeah, know, you know, for like the in indie theater set, then you've uh-huh. got a trailer for City of Lost Children, uh huh, which is All Right. Amazing. You guys familiar with City of Lost Children, which no, is like which is this it's dark... Like Guillermo
0: del Toro movie before Guillermo del Toro, right? That's Because oh. that's what I've been guessing from, like, the stills. Also, Ron Perlman's in it, from what I remember. <laughs> yeah, it's like a dark... <laughs> is Ron Perlman just in all of these? No. Ron Perlman's in it. Wait.
3: Oh my god. <laughs> is he gonna be the through line throughout all this? No, Ron Perlman is not the through line. It's just those two, but it is a really weird coincidence now that you mention it. Yeah. But it's like this dark French sci-fi dystopian film, Ooh. and like, opens with, like, a quote of praise um, from Terry Gilliam, which... Mm-hmm. With, I'm more positive Gil- that
0: you are, but let's we're gonna save that for another Ter-
3: day. Terry Gilliam's a, a complicated topic, to be sure. Um, yeah. And it's, like, the trailer's, like, entirely silent. There's no dialogue and, like, barely even any sound effects. It's mainly just, like, images set to music. Mm-hmm. And...
0: This is from the same director as Amelie and De- Delicatessen.
3: Yes, yes it is. And the fourth Alien movie. It's advertised as... Wait, really?
0: Yeah, Ali- the guy who did Alien Resurrection also did Amelie in City of Lost Children.
1: Wow. Oh, wow.
3: It, it advertises before the trailer as being from the director of Delicatessen, but I think I've only seen Alien Resurrection, and that movie is probably, like, the weakest of the main four Alien movies. Though so it's not yeah, nearly as bad Requestion as Covenant, which is the yeah. absolute nadir of the series, in my opinion. Which one? Covenant.
0: I, that's still one of my favorites. I'd say the the nadir is still AVP Requiem, but
3: wait. I'm I haven't seen count. Alien vs. Predator Requiem. Does that even count when we're discussing the Alien series? It, or do we just I not pretend know. those two happened? Uh, let's just pretend they didn't happen. Just for the <laughs> argument. For the yeah. I've
1: seen Amelie, and it's incredible.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, definitely. Not I'm not saying sure the- is, a, is a bad filmmaker. I'm just saying it's wild that that, of all things, appears in that filmography. It's like the moment that Francis Ford Coppola made Jack.
3: Well, mm. <sighs> That reminds me, Amanda, we'll eventually have mm-hmm. to do Jack on Lost in the Vault.
2: Oh, hell
3: yeah. uh, Oh, no. Oh, no good at all. Oh, yeah. No. Well oh. do John Landis' Oscar at some point. You see, with Stallone? Less- yeah, with Stallone. Oh, I'm boy.
4: less schooled on uh uh like film stuff because like that's just not my like background, you know. Um so you're saying these words and I go, okay, yeah, that sounds fine. N- knowing uh, like I should know that it's going it's
3: a lot of the <laughs> I should uh know. We're gonna eventually have to do. I
0: recognize the names. Dylan's dropping, and I'm like, oh, oh, I yeah. feel so sorry.
4: I yeah. was like, I was like, wait, that sounds cool, and then I hear, oh no, and I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> anyway,
3: yeah, like uh, we should probably uh, and, get back
4: to heavy metal because
0: I'm like, wow, we have veered so far off top.
3: Yeah. <laughs> uh, let let, uh, so there's two more. So there's two more trailers on the VHS following those two because after City of Lost Children, it's a trailer for. Um, Terry Zwigoff's Crum, the documentary about nice. Robert Crumb, that actually
0: feels kind of fitting.
3: <laughs> I mean, the I weird kind of thing is, heavy metal and underground
0: comics in that one kind of schism of fandom.
3: It's mm. the, the weird thing is, is that if you look at each trailer individually, they all sort of fit with heavy metal. It's just when you see them back to back to back to back that it all contrasts. Because after um um. Because after uh, the trailer for Crumb, it's a trailer for Desperado, the Robert Rodriguez movie. Oh, my God. Oh, fuck, yeah. Oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> which I think is probably, like, the most fitting of those four trailers, honestly. Yeah, that
4: seems Honestly, right. I, feel,
3: right,
0: I feel like Crumb might be, because of the connection to Underground Comics.
3: Yeah, mm. but no one's going to make that connection, like, if a casual viewer. Yeah. Um, and then afterwards, like, the ad for the soundtrack on CD and the website, to which...
0: I we'll did. definitely get back to the soundtrack. Oh, we're definitely.
3: Oh, I I have the soundtrack on my phone. I fucking love it.
0: Nice. I did too. Because I I actually have it in two forms, uh, which I'll get. I got I got the soundtrack in my senior year of high school because it was like five bucks on iTunes. I'm Like, yep, that's a nice. steal. And then that became kind of my soundtrack from like September to October of that year. Nice. Right. Year and uh, Chandler actually, the co-hosts of the show, gave me an original pressing of the album. Of oh, the- nice. The
2: that's yes, so Yes, cool. I did.
0: Seriously, wow. thanks, man. I played I play it a couple days ago as, as uh, research. <laughs> oh, yeah, no problem. Uh, yeah, it still plays like a dream. Still
1: I got it from a nice. garage sale, and I knew really? um, it would be a great gift for someone. And it was just in my record collection for a long time. And,
3: nice. And yeah,
4: no, I've been, I, I heard I watched this movie, and I was like, I wonder if the vinyl exists out there.
3: Yeah, Damn. it does. Yeah.
4: Actually. I, I need it. Wow.
3: The, I unlike I the movie itself. Sell- Sorry, Jack.
4: I you hope wanna... it's still getting repressing, that it is a
0: yeah. legitimately great collection of mu- or music. Like, it's a lot of weird choices, most of which aren't actually metal. Yeah. Like, the course we get to no. metal is, like, Dio mean, like era Black Sabbath and the Blue Oyster yeah. Cult, which I fucking love the Blue Oyster Cult, don't get me wrong. Yeah. Wrong, but that's me- Whether or not they're really metal is de- They got Devo on this soundtrack, which
3: is yes. the Journey. They Stevie Nicks. Oh, I don't yeah. worry about the Journey <laughs> song, and I will get to eventually donald fagan i th- is on there from steely uh, dan yeah
0: yeah nice. how this movie is uh yeah it feels fitting that a guy from a band named called steely dan is in the. yeah y'all know what that band was named after right no no a dildo <laughs> really
3: oh, that was a nickname nice. for us. <laughs>
1: that's a great
4: band
3: um. What I was about to say is that, unlike the movie itself, the soundtrack had actually been pretty consistently in circulation, which is odd, like, because no, usually the it's, year it's year the year.
0: reverse. I remember it was still kind of a pop culture program in mean Punchline, because even the poster is visible in the background of stuff like Step Brothers. Mm. I still, I mean, which, that makes sense, because they're both Sony movies. I'm guessing they I mean, but still, I think it's funny. Yeah. Also, um, speaking of something like that, I actually, uh, you said you watched this on the VHS. I watched this on the Blu ray, and uh, while I was looking, I had already had this for like a couple years by this point, but when I was looking through it and preparing to play this time, I noticed something kind of cool in the extras. The original rough cut is on this, not only the rough cut, but it includes a commentary for it. Oh, mm-hmm. really? Wow. Because- because- How you only get to see like word prints and stuff like that in test screenings. I think the only other instance of that being made available to the public in like a Blu ray is Blade Runner?
3: Mm.
0: I can't. Which like I didn't, five,
3: five different. I watched the
0: whole thing. I watched like the first ten minutes, and it it's mostly pencil tests. I mean, but still, it's yeah. really worth checking out if you're interested in animation history.
3: See, oh, yeah. see the the rough cut isn't on the VHS tape, but what it does have is that after the credits, it has uh, the deleted Neverwhere land segment from oh. the movie. Which okay, this is news yeah. to
0: me. Go, I'm here. I'm curious to hear about this.
2: Okay. yeah, yeah.
3: There was supposed to be a segment in between. Uh, the Captain Stern segment and the B seventeen segment called Neverwhere Land, which of like, would in which like the Lochnar would have um fallen to a planet, and then we'd get like this big like elaborate like um seamless montage of of uh, every of um everything that of like a planet very similar to Earth except all of their like weapons and artifacts and stuff revolve around the Lochnar, evolve all the way up to I guess that plants equivalent of World War Two, in which mm-hmm. case that would like seag um directly into the B seventeen segment, which Yeah, is... that makes
0: sense. I'm like mm-hmm. which probably would have been than what we actually got. Although what we got is cool though. With, yeah.
3: which like the so like,
0: the hand holding right, the little green orb, like, like, on fire. That looks like a teacher from, like, a skateboard company, right? Well, that's,
3: well, that's yeah. what it would have and, been. The hand holding the orb would have fallen to the planet, and then the Neverwhere Land segment yep. would have happened. And yep. I couldn't tell from watching it whether or not it was finished before it was cut, or if it was still, like, pencil test. Because mm-hmm. the way it's done, it looks like that it, it could – it works better in this, like – weird sketchy look that it's got like it mm. looks like sketchy in the artsy sense where it's supposed yeah. to like look like one that the... Of the animatrix i get I, yeah, I haven't seen the animatrix but check it out actually i honestly like that more than any of the
0: live action ones because and... i think it's a fourth concept or in the concept and i just find it more engaging
3: and and obviously like they never did um An Elmer Bernstein score, or like, found a soundtrack selection for that segment. So, in so instead, they score it to like this, like this uh, g- grandiose, moody-sounding piece of classical music. We call um, that temp music, my guy. Yeah, yeah, temp <laughs> music. Sure, whatever. I'm just, yeah. I'm just using, putting in layman's terms for those. Yeah, who, it's,
0: fine. it's fine. I'm, I'm just joshing you. I'm just. Yeah.
3: <laughs> um and. Though I think actually the temp music for the rough cut was Pink Floyd's Time. Now that, that I now that awesome. you mentioned it. Nice. Um
0: but now I kind of want to see a dark si- or a side of heavy metal. Like what if someone did The Dark Side of the Rainbow with a uh, Wizard of Oz?
3: Oh I, nice. Oh yeah. That's or, that's or beautiful. another brick in the wallie. You ever heard of that one? No. Oh my god. That's yeah, you fantastic. think up Pink Floyd's The Wall with Wally. I did it once. It works. That's amazing. <laughs> I might try that now. Yeah. yeah. Like, because, like, when you get that, like, big ding, 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 that's when it's, like, zooming in through the clouds and you see, like, all the skyscrapers of trash. Mm. Yep.
0: You know, uh, right now is kind of a difficult time for me, personally. I'm not going to get into why, why, but for some reason, even though I've never watched this with my dad, I associate this movie with my dad, and, uh, I also associate because my dad is also what got me into record collecting, which is, I mean, because, uh, he has an original pressing of The Wall, and oh, and-, nice. and Led Zeppelin three, and Hotel California. Like, I mean, say what you will, or not, say what I, you will about my old man. He definitely had a great record collection, and he could cook, mm. and he could cook, cook like better anyone better I right know.
3: Um, I most of my record collection comes from my uncle Billy, who like sent it over to me. So a lot of Black Sabbath, baby. <laughs> Hell yeah! Hell yeah!
0: Mine is half my dad's, half my stuff, and even that. Then most of my stuff is like recurrent re- reissues. Like I got the Ghost in the Machine by the Police recently, which what nice. If I could get an album cover tattooed on me, I would get that one. My it's literally just uh, mem- all the members of the band like represented as little alarm clock figures, like Sting, Andy Summers, Stuart Copeland. Mm. Yep,
1: I my- I have a pretty decent, uh, the impressive record collection, if I may say so myself. I, think,
0: I was gonna say I think Richard Chandler's is more impressive than mine because most- apparently original pressings, I think.
1: Yeah, I have an I have an original original Led Zeppelin four and um a, an original Wish You Were Here. Those are the probably yeah. the two I... biggest gems. But uh, wait, yeah.
0: that's the one with like the robot hands on the cover, right? Yes. Awesome. I I, I know this is a, kind of a hot take, but I w- always like that cover better. I just like my. <laughs> I, like...
4: I have an okay uh, record collection, but what, my favorite thing in it is definitely I have an original of. Uh, Simon and Garfunkel at Central Park where they do that oh, like right. really good they do that really good uh, like ri- live rendition of uh, Bridge over troubled waters that like gives me shivers every time i listen to it I've It's a great it. album. It's really Thank great. You.
0: Thank you for the recommendation. Thank you. For the
3: recommendation. <laughs> Mine's like 90% um Uncle Billy's and then like 10% mine so you'll get like Black Sabbath Black Sabbath Black Black Sabbath, uh, a Ratatouille score, Black Sabbath, Black Sabbath, AC D C Spongebob musical soundtrack. I mean, um, I got
0: an April Wine and the Risky Business score, so <laughs> Anyone? collection. Anyway,
2: I, I've got
3: it. i got the Mondo of Pop Star Never Stop, Never Stopping. And nice. I chose oh, yes. the the Donkey Roll one was already sold out. But oh, yeah. thankfully variants they put out for that. That was cool. But I thankfully get a lot of my the variants for
0: the Mondo release or the steelbook that Shout Factory put out. But instead the, of them like roasting the,
3: the giant bees with the flame. Yeah. yeah. Nice. But thankfully, my favorite cover was not filled out when I bought it. The Thriller also cover. <laughs> mm.
0: <laughs> I still love that title, Thriller also. <laughs>
3: That's probably my favorite joke from the movie. It's yep. very good.
0: I still I love it. The... anyway, back to heavy metal. Yeah, I was. Wow. I keep, I keep saying that we have we're in like an ongoing tally of how many tangents we go on, but I'm still thinking it's just gonna grow with each
1: growing
3: episode. Yeah. yeah, I think I'm an especially bad offender at that, especially with like the Meet the Feebles episode. Tangents
1: like, within tangents. <laughs> it's
3: fine. It's fine. It's fine. Yes. When you when you grow up
0: with high functioning autism, your your brain becomes a fucking mess. Um, in my, in my experience, at least
3: that's my. More... But if I can get back to the Neverware land segment, so watching the Neverware land segment. Um, they say it was like cut for time because of like how impressive it is, and I'm watching like, it, I'm like was
0: it? like, was it only like five or I, mean, I can't imagine it's longer than ten
3: minutes? No, it's like more like five, but yeah. I'm watching oh. I'm like, you know, you know what watching this, I'm like, yeah, this is a great segment, but they made the right decision in cutting it because mm-hmm. this segment is way too good for heavy metal <laughs> because <Yep>. I don't <laughs> think we
0: Look- we love I – mean, the design – we love this movie, but it's trashy as hell. It is trash. Oh, yeah. Let's face yeah, facts. This is an – As animation, is... the designs are a lot more impressive or impressive than the actual animation. Oh, Although yeah.
1: Like, totally. I think
0: the really rotoscope looked ring Tarna, yeah. though. Like, the way, I mean, the way it's flying over all those canyons, it almost looks like the end of 2001.
3: Yeah. See, it's I bit, really yeah. don't like the rotoscoping, especially on Tarna. Because for me, rotoscoping lacks real weight to it. Like everything feels like airy and kind of Does That makes sense. So like when it gets yes, like no, that, the action no, man, scene, that makes sense. I get that. I get. It's that. like it's like the uh, when the act uh, gets the action scene, with, like the sword swinging and like the hits happening. I, it, you don't feel any impact. There's just nothing there.
0: It reminds me of when someone was t- comparing Cool World to Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Why the animation mm-hmm. that ran that and not in Cool World is bigger. Because- in every segment with uh, in with uh, fuck, what's her name? Cause Kim Basinger, her character, Hollywood. Her, Hollywood, her her cartoon character feels locked down to the frame while Roger, Roger moves a lot freer. I think that's kind mm. of a similar problem to what you're getting at here.
3: The th- I see. I've got a, a um, an academic theory, um, for um, Cool World. I like to call it the Hollywood paradox, where mm-hmm. essentially, um, the D- deliberately sexier you try to make something, eventually you'll reach a tipping point where it just ends up becoming repulsive. Like with yeah. Hollywood, they try so hard to make her like yeah. sexually appealing that you just end up getting turned off by it.
2: That you makes are, sense. With a,
3: a Lovecraftian like trying too hard, like you go too sexy.
2: <laughs> yeah,
4: exactly. Now exactly got, right. Like, that bread stuck in my head. Thanks,
3: Dolan. Dallin,
0: how many times do we got
3: to go through this? Damn
0: it, we talked about this before the show, too, and I completely forgot. <laughs>
3: Damn it. Uh, anyway. I mean, it may, I mean, honestly, it's fair. You know how many times I I outright forget everybody's name? I got to, like, see people in person on, like, a regular basis and, like, associate their, them with their name. Well. Yeah, exactly. I'm the same way. I, I remember faces but not names. So oftentimes when I'm, like, talking to people that I know – um and like have a solid acquaintanceship with I'm just l- like yeah I just desperately tried to avoid addressing them by name mm,
0: I do that anyway Okay for real this time back to heavy metal metal uh, Shall we go I mean I I had two ideas for how we could go forward with this and I wanted to pitch them to you We yeah. either go in order the segments or we go in order the soundtrack Uh, or- We can do I
2: segments can look for
0: two segments Let's Yeah. Do- it's easier. I love the, I think the Soft Landing is low-key my favorite of the bunch. It feels, it feels like one of those old MTV bumpers. In Mm. a way, honestly, despite this not being the kind of music you'd hear on MTV, it feels like the first MTV movie.
3: Yeah. Like, both stylistically and the fact that it is postal. I'd say that, I'd say that's my favorite segment. I'm, what makes you say we wouldn't have heard this music on MTV?
0: Is that, I always associate MTV with, like,
3: more pop, or in,
0: like, like, Billy Idol. Like Billy Idol and Prince and that kind of thing.
1: Pop rock, yeah. This is more like pre-grunge.
0: It feels like the yeah. kind of thing where you're like, we're that, we're like uh, the kind of guy who listens to Alice Cooper.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yep. Like pre-hair metal. I
3: don't know. There's like some poppy shit. Like, you tell me the journey isn't poppy shit, Stevie Nicks. Very poppy, yeah. Mo-
0: I'm saying most of it, Donald. Like, who actually would watch Donald Fagan or Don Felder on MTV?
4: MTV was geared probably more towards like a more. I think the word we're looking for is like teenager. Yeah, like, punk, like teen, like teen pop and punk and like uh, alt alternative and stuff like that. Yeah, basically that would,
0: what would have been the what, what was what's Arcade Fire and MGMT is now would probably yeah. be what, what the stuff is then.
4: Yeah.
1: Very well put. Yeah.
0: Anyway, I do genuinely love the soundtrack, but the use of music in parts is kind of bad. Like, I love the use of Radar Rider <laughs> in the opening, because yeah. it, it gets your energy pumped. It's oh, actually yeah. kind of well synced with the music. But then we got to, in cuts to the first segment with uh, the use of Veteran of the Psychic Wars, which might be the best song in the whole soundtrack, and oddly enough, was not made for the movie.
4: Really?
0: Here's what happened with that. Okay, here's because this is one of my favorite stories. I actually uh I wrote an, an English paper in 12th grade on this song,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and my teacher loved it nice it was, it was like this very uh I, I mean i still talk to her to this day but when I mean, she was I mean, more like this like very classically educated liberal a little snobby i mean like I mean, mm-hmm. more not the kind of person you'd expect to be into this kind of stuff no well, I mean, but anyway she really appreciated what i wrote about it this is a mm-hmm. blue. anyway back to the point my actual point the blueister cult song for this was uh not was actually written for their album um fire of unknown origin which is their last big studio album um, which mm-hmm. there were three songs. I mean, there were two songs they actually did write for the movie: "Heavy Metal, Black and Silver," which is more like a general theme, and uh, t- "Vengeance," which is basically a summary of the Parna segment. Because it mm-hmm. literally recites certain dialogue and and like basically a beat, a musical rendition of the story. It sounds mm-hmm. really badass, actually. Like it sounds like this weird Twilight Zone thing at first, but then again, it goes into this like really rushing guitar. it actually sounds more metal than some of the stuff on the actual soundtrack near the end. Mm-hmm. Yep. Anyway. Anyway, another th- cool thing about th- I mean, that, both of which were, were, in ma- were made, and you can still find it on a Fire of Unknown Origin, but uh, th- I mean, the producer's like, yeah, no, no, let's go with this instead. Which, good choice, I'm still baffled they choose for this, because it's this epic, I mean, it's like this kind of thing you should be l- listening to while staring at a Boar's Vallejo poster. Mm. It's also the kind of thing, like, you know, with de- I mean, like muscular dudes holding up swords to the sky and scream- I mean, screaming, oh, yeah. like, holding, like, chainmail bikini, I mean he's in yeah. fire and smoke and giant mountains and like there's just giant titanic imagery right. It's just dudes yeah. with metal detectors in the desert. These weird or anteater thing looking things.
3: You know, so this no. you touched upon something I wanted to bring up and that the Harry Canyon segment, which I guess we've seeked into now, though I wish we hadn't like moved past um the, you know, car jumping from space bit without talking about like the dipshittery of Elon Musk doing the same thing <laughs> with his car. <laughs>
2: Oh my I thought God. Not, yeah,
3: I thought I thought
0: Thank you for bringing that up. Oh God! Imagine if this was made now. This would be. That would totally be the Cybertruck.
1: <laughs> I, I love the Cybertruck. That's awesome. <laughs>
0: if there's and a we, real product. Call the Cybertruck. Yeah, <laughs> It looks like I got like a fucking upgrade.
3: Of course, Elon Musk would be a huge fan of heavy metal. Of fucking you know course. What?
0: Oh God, that's I respect that. I respect. I don't have you, respect for Elon. I, I don't.
3: I don't respect Elon Musk for anything. Even the good ideas, if he touches I them, he takes.
0: I liked him because he seemed like the only one of these like rich corporate guys that actually seemed like a real human being and not a robot.
2: Yes, he smokes weed a,
1: with Joe Rogan.
3: He's a re, he's a real human being. He's just also a raving douchebag. Yeah, yeah. Like, like at, I don't at least him like a mad scientist.
1: Like he, the modern day Ben Franklin.
4: He's, no, he, for me, he's, like, someone I know is an asshole, but I'm so intrigued at whatever he's going to do next. I'm not a fan of him, but I'm, like, I'm gonna keep my eye on I'm you, more or I or know that player. whatever happens, it's going to, uh, it's going to make my day.
0: Also, I've made yeah. this joke before, and I'll make it again. Jeff Bezos is the real world Lex Luthor. Do not Ooh. be surprised if we ever get alien life or some sort of superhero in real life. He's gonna try and find a way, in a way, to get government fund, rain to take that thing down. Yeah.
2: feeding
1: tombs. They're coming. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah and that, actually, that would be a cool heavy metal story. <laughs> like oh movie. yeah, that would be. cool. Anyway, back uh, to the segment. Harry Canyon. G- um, it's funny you mentioned you mentioned Mobius at the very beginning of this yes. because he not he did the actual designs for the original story in the magazine. Yes. Not only nice. that, that, but this more or less feels like a, a more skeevy version of the Fifth Element.
3: Uh, like yeah. I'm not the only.
0: First, by the way, I am not the first person to point that out. Now this is more. I mean, a lot of people when they are talking about it, like, yeah, this is totally basically just Fifth Element.
2: Yeah. Well, Which
0: I also bring that up because uh, remember when they are making Fifth Element, it was so similar to a comic that Mobius did with uh, a Spanish filmmaker Alejandro Jodorowsky. It was ooh. called The Incal. It was so similar to that that they ended up filing a lawsuit. Wow. I think they actually won actually, and they settled out of court. I don't remember, but I don't remember the exact results. Don't quote me on that. Do not. Call.
3: So, so are we just moving on to Harry Canyon without talking about the framing device first? With the Loch yeah,
0: for any device doesn't matter. It's a green orb that melts people. That that That's is it. all that matters. I, I I
3: think I would like to mention that um the the voice of the Lockhart um his name is let me just bring it up right now his name is Percy Rodriguez. He goes on credit in this movie. Wait, but really? Yeah, he's like That's he's such. like he, he was yeah. like one of the big movie trailer voiceover guys in like the seventies and eighties.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Like, trailer for... This whole thing is littered with not only, like, comedy comedy guys, which I will get back to because I have a really funny story about that. But I also, a little animation nerds like, the voice of Squidward from Spongebob is in this. (laughs) Roger (laughs) Bumpass. Yeah, Roger Bumpass is in this.
3: Oh, Don Don Franks is in this, who, you know, was, like, a a voice in a lot of those Nelvana shows in the 80s and 90s. In fact,
0: you mentioned Nelvana because they almost made this, but they declined. Really? Yeah, they made Rock and Rule directly after this, which would make an awesome novel feature. It's this weird looking mean, or look basically secret of Nim, but for adults, but with sound I mean, we're in soundtrack by people like Lou Reed and Iggy Pop and Debbie Harry from Blondie's and,
3: and it and Believe not, me. Believe know, me, Jack, I fucking love rock and rule. Rock and rule is uh, uh, Rock and Rule I think I've actually better than heavy metal, honestly. Mm-hmm. It's probably
0: more consistent animation wise, at least.
3: Oh, it, it definitely is, because it's one animation studio, it's all one big story, and... In, is,
4: I, is, is that the one that kind of looks like a, a precursor for Goofy movie in the way the characters are designed? Yeah, well, exactly. You exactly. mentioned it. It kind of does. Yeah, I've seen Actually, that
0: one around. that That's reminds me, the original, Chandler, the original concept of the show that I pitched you was, uh, we're in more or, le- or less, we were going to do a double feature each week, at which we loosely mm-hmm. connected to a theme. I, yeah. if we we still ran with that, I think we would have done Heavy metal and rock and roll if
3: if you, if you had went with that segment, you know what I would have recommended? Shoot, good fellas in my blue heaven <laughs> <laughs> nice.
0: I might consider that. I'm like anyway because
3: um but, but yeah, honest, but yeah, I would definitely call rock and Roll like um, like it's spiritual parallel, if you will, yeah, more
0: like a. Or in more like a blood relative.
3: Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Um, One last
0: thing about the Blue Oyster Cult song, because I want to get it. It was co-written by an actual pulp sci-fi writer, uh, Michael Moorcock. He helped write nice. the lyrics.
3: <laughs> Moorcock.
0: <That's>
2: <laughs> Stop. <Unfortunate
3: name. laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Mr. Moorcock. <laughs> I'm sure you <laughs> had a, have a respectable body of work. You mentioned the soundtrack on... um on roll? the Harry Canyon segment, yeah. Mm. and honestly, I find that the most interesting because unlike the rest of the film that like uses like the the soundtrack for um like emphasis or like for use in like action sequences or like punctuation, yeah. here this it uses a soundtrack more for a um, mood. like you have like extra, right. extra, which yeah, I actually exactly
0: like. like i like lo- I like the reuse of or, uh, the Stevie Nick song Blue Lamp, which where yeah. mainly is like this background mood setting. I'm like,
3: this actually kind of works. I, yeah, I, I was, I was just it. about to mention that. Yeah. I
0: there really like go. Stevie Nicks song for this movie though, because it is that kind of mood. feels like the kind of thing you hear in a bar in Texas. Like yeah. wherever you beginning getting Terminator 2 or the halfway point in Near Dark is.
3: Yeah. By the yeah. way, Near Dark
0: is fucking awesome.
3: Oh uh, yeah, I we'll that's on Twitter my list. On I still need to see that.
0: Basically, imagine Twilight if it was good. And also a lot more violent. And had Bill Paxton.
3: I do like Bill Paxton,
0: and I like him in sunglasses and a leather jacket.
1: I have a question: How do y'all feel about the visual style of this film? I like, it. I, like
2: it. I
0: again, I like what, it. The problem people most have pointed out is that it looks great in like stills, but the actual animation is kind of janky. Like the actual, it's,
3: movement, I mean, it's very inconsistent. Like Definitely. it varies from like segment to segment. Definitely it was a
1: too grimy for me.
3: i I like
0: the
4: griminess. Honestly, I kind of like. I liked yeah. it
1: in parts, but other parts, I I couldn't hang.
4: I dug it. I, it was it was very uh like it. I I saw a lot of like, uh, what what who was it? Um, fuck, what was his name? He did a lot of seventies animated movies and stuff like. That. Bakshi, Ralph Bakshi? Ralph Bakshi? Yeah, I saw yeah, well, a It's bit funny of we that. mentioned
3: Cool World. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's funny that we mentioned Ralph Backshee. In because relations. we already knew Wizards.
4: Yeah, yeah. It reminds, it reminds me of, a lot that's of
3: Wizards. One I, that's
4: what yeah. reminds me of.
3: Oh, that yeah. The one he, it reminds same. me of. He was a voice in Wizards, Um, the voice of Harry Canyon. His oh, yeah. Richard Romanus. Is... Like, Richard
0: Romanus. I was about to say that. I'm like... Richard Romanes. He was, a, he was in... a lot of SCTV people in this, like comedy. Like, John Candy is in this. Harold Ramis is, yeah. too.
1: Joe Flaherty. Yeah. Eugene yeah, Lally. John Candy.
0: Yep. I love John Candy.
1: He does. Oh, He's great.
0: Anyway, yeah. John Vernon was in this, who was uh, Dean Wormer in Animal House. And that yeah. reminds me of a, a really bi- great bit of classic animation t- trivia that I really lo- found out like a couple months ago. Donald and I, one of the first reasons we became friends on Twitter is because we both uh, shared a love for the old Space Ghost cartoon. Mostly Coast <laughs> to Ghost. Nice! Yeah. Yep, anyway, the original from Mal- from the 60s, which is one of my favorite things ever. I was, like, I was re-watching them because I got the Warner Archive DVD off of eBay, and I'm like... I remember mm. I listened to what, the voice acting and I'm like, the psychics are like, wait a fucking minute. I recognize that voice. So I hit up Wikipedia and I'm like, I fucking knew it. One of the mm. psychics is played by, played by Otter from Animal House.
3: Nice. Oh, you mean, was that Tom Holtz or am I thinking confusing it? With a Tim Matheson. It was Tim, Tim Matheson, that's it.
0: Yep. I'm like, oh, that's great. Nice. <laughs> this, he's a young kid and, he, and, he, and around the time the Animal House is set, that he's doing these really groovy space cartoons and now he's doing college comedies. In the oh, that's beautiful. <laughs>
1: that's a fun uh, fact. Yep. You know,
0: um, I, I always find it because I found it funny. I'm like, also because I fucking knew it. I'm like, I knew it. Because but i wanted I found to it too similar. I'm like, Otter?
3: <laughs> but I wanted to mention that Richard Romanis was, the, was a voice in Wizards, Ralph Bakshi's Wizards, and he was also the voice of Vinny in Hey, Good Luckin'. Oh nice. It was actually made before heavy metal, but ended up being released after, after heavy Metal.
2: It
0: was gonna yeah. be all live action too. Like they got Yafek Kodo from Alien and Live and Let Die or, and to be in it, but the only way you can see that is I think it's in the UCLA film archive.
3: Yeah, but, it was going to be like a live action animation hybrid, but Warner Brothers wasn't a fan of it. And I think they like tried to sue Bakshi for breach of contract because of because of how much live action there was in that movie. So they ended up like... They scrapped and, it. And yeah, really they pretty much kept it in a vault up. for like a decade and then released like a fully animated version, which I think Bakshi's disowned since.
2: Mm.
3: And I don't think the, his original cut has ever seen the light of day, like you said. Think,
0: I think the closest Bakshi's ever gotten to doing something like uh, heavy metal is fire and ice, because he actually did work with Frank Frazetta on that. Oh, yeah. Frazetta Pre- even did the poster.
1: As, speaking of backsheet, this 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 film rem- reminded me a lot of Wizards, which we did cover on the podcast. And would you say you like this film better over yeah. Wizards?
2: Yeah. I don't. I'd say they're about on
0: par with each other. They're both pretty good. I mean, they're I, both I, pre- in pretty good movies that I cannot parse critically, but I do love the absolute <laughs> hell of. It's I, one of those I, We talked about before that style over substance is a completely meaningless phrase, especially when style can be substance. This is exactly one of those games. This movie makes no sense, and especially, and it doesn't need to until the end. The ending is the only part of which I'm like, wait, that doesn't make, how, what? Like my brain was fried. I I like this over Wizards. This movie exists for one reason and one reason only to Mm -hmm. look fucking cool and to sound fucking cool. Yeah. And mo- and most of the time it actually kind of works. Yeah. I and I don't think say... this is kind of influential in a way. Like there we talk about the So Beautiful, So Dangerous. That's the part with like the, that's the comedy segment on the spaceship, right?
3: Yeah, that's the one. Yeah,
0: yeah it, there's a, a shot of that where it's the spaceship over, the I think, the Pentagon. I mean, it yeah, looks like yeah. something out of like a DAP or a punk music video or an anime. Oh, yeah. It, it, it feels like this looks like it was made in 1997, not 1981.
3: Yeah. That Just Th- that one that- shot, I think. That, like, big smiley face over the Pentagon, I love yeah. that shot. That yeah, could have been the good. poster. It's, weird. it's such a distinct image, though. I mean, oh, though, yeah. like,
0: we talk about, right, I know there's a lot of debate about what cinematography mean, I mean, means these days, like, whether or not it should just be cool shots, right, or mm-hmm. that it should actually have a deeper meaning, but I think stuff like that, Right. Mean, as long as it gets an image, as long as the com- image communicates an idea and actually imprints on you, I think that's good cinematography. Yeah. It, that even implies here. And like it, um, again, it's not just pretty. I mean, pretty, it has to like actually communicate something. Like yeah, that's why I like. That's why I think that. To, sorry, like framing has to rain benefit storytelling. That's why I love that one shot of uh, Ana de Armas looming over Brian Gosling in Blade Runner in the new Blade.
2: Mm.
0: See, Which I can't get into because of spoiler reasons, even though the movie's three years old. But it, <laughs> when you know the context of that shot, it is heartbreaking. Oh yeah, Amanda
3: and I saw Blade Runner twenty forty nine in IMAX for my birthday. I wow. think.
0: No, yeah, either, I saw it opening. Not I saw it opening day in mean, IMAX by, my, by myself. I'm like because I didn't want any friends going with me, and I figured this wasn't fun. So I'm like, you went, know I'll let it be me. And I that re- I can't think of a movie that has landed on me in that way, and because I just felt like, whoa. Like, yeah, that was we, the last time I think a movie loved me completely speechless.
3: We saw exactly. it on my we saw yeah. we saw it on my birthday, and then I think we went to the Times Square Hard Rock Cafe afterwards.
4: Yeah, it was. It, we saw it in Times Square.
3: That sounds awesome. That sounds- nice. No, no, we didn't see it in Times Square no, because we saw I it. In- we no, we saw it in the Lincoln Square IMAX.
4: Oh yeah, yeah.
3: Because that's the one. That's the Lincoln. The Lincoln Square AMC has it's the IMA- the really yeah. nice IMAX theater. It's like several stories yep. tall, and it's got both the with laser and the 70 millimeter projector. Yeah.
0: You guys are gonna kill me for this, but uh, I uh, I got IMAX tickets for New Mutants.
3: Uh, don't do that, buddy. It, it, even, it's been like, so long. It, the I bet the IMAX isn't even worth it. It's probably IMAX digital, which sucks. Mm. Eh.
0: I'm sorry. It's just been so long since I've been to the movies. But
3: we don't mm. want you dying from going to see New <laughs> Mutants. I'll there are die. better movies I, to die I for. Aliens. I wanna die. Could you imagine? I'm
4: could you imagine seeing New Mutants? Which, uh, like, if you've been waiting for. For so so long, and oh, then this, dying. I'm <laughs> still a senior in high school, and I'm in like, <laughs> college now. I've always said that I, I never thought I'd see that movie before I die. Uh, <laughs> like I, I just thought it was going to keep getting pushed back for forever.
0: Anyway, wait—we're still not even halfway through the movie. The movie? Yeah, we're still on the first segment. Okay. You know this is this has been a fun episode, though.
3: Yeah.
4: Yeah, we can, we're we're we gonna can, keep going though, because already wanna talk
0: about the actual movie.
4: Yes.
1: I have a um, question. How shoot. do you feel how do you feel about this, the sex in this movie?
0: I don't know where to begin on that. Because some of it is kind of creepy. Oh yes. yeah. Like I, the de- like Den, Den is a segment that does feel like uh grow up. Grow up. Yeah.
3: It's a lot. I, I feel like um I don't think they thought
0: the the implications behind that one all the way through.
1: Mm, yeah.
3: I yeah. feel like that I can't take any of the sex segments seriously because I saw that episode of South Park. You know the one I'm talking about. Yeah, I right? know.
0: I was waiting for – am I going to be the one to bring that up or are you going to be the one that brings that up? It was going to be one of us. It was going to be one of us, too. I
3: also find it hard to do it
0: because it, a lot of the sex and look. this looks
3: ridiculous. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like so, the rotoscoping – like the den segment. Like it just looks like they're mashing against each other. I was going to yeah.
4: say – it
0: looks like someone mashing action figures together. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's exactly what this movie is.
1: Yes. <laughs> so, like, exactly. it kind of
0: fits, you know? Anyway. You know what there, there is some really cool stuff in the Degg segment. Again, John Candy's in it, in it so mm-hmm. that's really cool. Also, like, the stuff where he's getting transferred into Spade. It looks yeah, like so- the opening credits to Flash Gordon on acid. Yeah. Good God, like, those sky- Good God, those skyline. Yeah, they literally looked like acid soaked into the frame. Uh, yeah, awesome. Those
2: looked
1: very cool.
0: Those would be, uh, be an awesome desktop wallpaper. So have
3: we moved on from Harry Harry Canyon? I'm sorry. Oh, because I'm there's one thing I wanted to mention about Harry Canyon, oh, and that's absolutely how hilarious in hindsight um this vision of future New York is, where like the pre Giuliani era never stopped. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> and the year on the marker it's twenty thirty one. Well, we're in both with Blade Runner cars and ray, and ray guns. Yeah, yeah, but, like, it's still, like, all grimy, and they mentioned about the U.N. building being low-income housing, and now you look at New York now, and, like, everything's all gentrified this shit. Like, oh, yeah. if they made that segment today, there'd be, like, a, a joke about them tearing down the Empire State Building to build a new one that's entirely made of glass windows.
0: Yeah. If, it was, if it was made today, it would look like an Apple store. And when, yeah, exactly. Exactly. One of, right. One of the things I loved about '70s sci-fi was how grimy everything was. Like it yeah. felt lived in, an earth. Well, kind yeah. of. Well, in some cases, kind of like Silent Running. That feels earthy, and more recently, High Life with uh, Robert Pattinson. Yeah. I mean, but most of the time, like Dark Star and Alien, it felt it felt blue collar. It was like yeah. and again, Space Truckers, which is a yeah. which is an actual movie, by the way, with a. Yeah. a well, that we'll probably have to get to in another episode. That's a weird one. That's- yes.
3: I'm, I'm still pushing for the next time we're on this show That we do Pinocchio and the Emperor of the Night Yeah <laughs> mate,
0: that's a huge maybe That is a very, anyway I think we're Which one's after, uh, not, which one's after, um Shit, I forgot Not, what, not a- after Harry-, Harry Canyon, after that
2: Um, Den, Den.
0: Uh- yeah, After Den I think Captain it's Stern. Captain Stern, which is it? Me or does the main guy in that look like Stan from American Dad?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely, no, it
0: does. This is my least favorite segment. I oh. kind of like this one. I remember. Uh, speaking of the <laughs> <Spanish laughs> 4-2 One, yeah,
1: the comedy,
0: the comedy one where they're in court. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, where the dude turns into like this giant hulky.
1: Yeah, movie. that was my least favorite. yeah,
0: the yeah, thing space- I do like the, the spaceship the, design though. The, or the like the actual oh, yeah. exteriors are really cool looking. I actually really like the use of the Cheap Trick song. Yeah, because I actually feel like it fits like tonally. I feel. Oh
4: yeah, I like that.
0: It's one of my favorite Cheap Trick so- I mean, songs because I remember mm-hmm. lived- there's an arcade uh, I mean, here in uh, Georgia that I used to go, we're I mean, to go to like up and down a- away from classes, and I used to put this on while playing Galaga. Oh, nice. <laughs> Got it. It has that arcade feel. That like- where you like the like the cars, I mean, especially yeah. in that synth outro, which is just so so catchy. I love. Is that
1: it. the arcade on Broughton?
0: Yeah, that's the arcade I'm running.
1: Oh nice. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> the
0: portal the portal's great. The portal's um, here... table in the back and everything. They sell glass coke. It's great. They have one from Tron too. They have a Tron game.
2: and oh, nice. pinball machine. Nice. Oh really? Nice.
1: I need it I need to go in there when I'm
2: sober. It's a fun um, time. Anyway. Bagged
0: I think this brings us to wait, Captain Stern uh leads us to probably my favorite segment. That I one is w- basically like I- comedy segment segment we don't need to say much about that right
3: um i wanted to bring up my thoughts on like captain stern and that how it, like that co- i think that's the biggest example of like how it like contrasts um from uh how i watched it the first time to how i watched it the second time when i watched it the first time captain stern was my favorite segment like i mm. i i couldn't stop laughing at it but i really? watch it now pretty much all but like one of the jokes just absolutely dies. I was gonna yeah. say
0: some of the, like when they're reading off his rap sheet, that's kind of funny. And one moving yeah. violation.
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's like the one joke that like still gets me. Uh, that and um, it does that, segue
0: pretty well into the next segment.
3: Then and that. I guess like uh, that and I guess like you know when Hanover Fist is initially testifying on Stern's behalf, he like starts like angrily admitting some of the stuff he's done, like peddling dope disguised as a nun. <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> that's just so ridiculous I'm like i one of my favorite types of jokes in movies is the ones that make you I mean, that make you think i'm like wait a minute how does that i mean like ones that open up just like whole other cans of worms of possibilities yep anyway the one thing i like about it is that again i mentioned this I mean, this earlier with the, the hand I mean, with the hand over fist mm-hmm. his hand well his hand actually does get cut off in space and fire like again that hand is going across that looks like an album cover for like captain Beefheart or something yeah, I want that on a T shirt. I want like <laughs> legitimately. It looks like the You know that a uh, skateboard company and it has the screaming hand on T shirts and stuff like that. Yeah, it looks like that. It looks.
4: Yeah, it does.
0: Yep. Anyway, this segues into probably you know, my favorite segment, and most before, people before,
3: before before we get to B seventeen. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. I keep interrupting you, Jack. But it, I, I feel like you're like speeding along lawn like at, like a real rapid fire pace, and it's getting a bit yeah. overwhelming.
0: That's pro- yeah, That's my problem. Is I talk way too fast. My mind is like a race car track.
3: Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, I respect that and appreciate that, but it's
0: a race car track with like a white Ferrari blasting Heartbeat City by the cars on loop. <laughs> uh.
3: Yeah. So if we could just slow it down for a bit, I want to bring something up. You initially you wanted to skip over the framing device, but I wanted to point something out about that framing device. The yeah. Locknar is like. Constantly boasting about like how all powerful it is and like the oh. misery it brings on others, but yeah. what it actually does in each segment is very minimal. Like at, oh, at, it, just melts at, it, it melts just people, and and then then it melts people, and then
1: reminds me of the m- monolith from two thousand one.
3: Like you like the lame version if that could talk.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like
3: I don't even think the Lockner does anything in the Captain Stern segment. Yeah, right. It-
0: I think it just, tur- I think it turns Hanover fist into, yeah, basically the Hulk. I'll just call
3: him. No, up. it doesn't, because he turns right back. That was, like, the plan all along. Yeah. Oh,
4: yeah.
0: I think, I think you hand over fist is one of those things that works better on paper than it doesn't, like, the animation's actually fine, but, or, but the jokes just don't
3: land. Most well, yeah. Well, the thing is, um, and then, like, for Den, the Lochnar is like, outwardly beneficial, because now this, basically like, 18-year-old kid gets to be, like, a... Like a, on like a wild adventure you know as a, like a space barbarian you know like fighting villains and, and, and bagging chicks yep. yeah
0: yeah it feels like basically what I would have imagined if I was frankly, when I was in middle school instead of high school
2: yeah mm.
0: yeah which is Den is a, such a mixed bag, or a bag because there's a lot of cool stuff in it but you really have to see past some really creepy churlish stuff
3: immature like, like the one of the villains being like a blatant like gay stereotype, you know, with like oh, yeah. the fave voice you know and like
4: he—he he... He is an icon, and I love him. Uh, ironically, Den is one of the funnier segments in the movie. Yeah, I love, I, I love, love Ar. Is like, that the
0: same? Those little henchmen guys describe the the catacomb monster, I mean, like or a fierce beast with shark teeth that's six inches long, <clears throat> sixteen inches long.
2: Oh uh, yeah,
0: <laughs> the pink. Also, the the lighting in that segment is really I love the light, how rich the colors are in that. Like it looks yeah it looks like a, or a black light poster at times. Yeah. Anyway, back now to the best one of all. My favorite. The B
4: you Yeah.
0: The B What else, how, what about you guys? What's
3: your take on this one? B17? Yep. Honestly, I've heard so many people say that this is the best segment of the movie. And mm-hmm. I really just don't see it, honestly. Like, <laughs> it's it's mm-hmm. it didn't live up to the hype. No, I feel like mm. you. This is one of the ones that was like written by with a story by Dan O'Bannon. I, mm-hmm. Did we talk about like the people behind this movie at all before we Kinda. got into like each segment? We
0: brushed over it, we brushed over it.
3: because oh, bitch. because um, the screenplay was done by Daniel Goldberg and Len Blum, who both had like written like. Previous movies for Ivan Reitman like Meatballs and Stripes.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, this came out the same year as Stripes, didn't it? The same, the exact same summer. Really? Like, yeah, this came out like two months after Stripes. I got wow. which actually you mentioned you had this on v- VHS. I have Stripes on VHS, and uh, my brother doesn't get into a lot of old movies, but this is kind of a that's kind of a keepsake amongst them. Like the use of that Man verd Man song is kind of an in joke between us now. Oh,
3: Do a <laughs> yep. Um, well, I
0: love, love that that there's that's their military march in the movie is Manfred Man.
3: Daniel yeah. Go- Daniel Goldberg is actually worked with Ivan Reitman as like a producer and writer afterwards. Like he executive produced uh, Junior and Father's Day and Six Days Seven Nights. Wait, Junior was, Junior with Schwarzenegger? Yeah, that's an Ivan Reitman movie. That's really? one
0: of those movies that legitimately I cannot believe that's just a fake trailer. That isn't a fake. Mm. You cannot convince me that that isn't a fake trailer.
3: And he also, um, and he also produced a Space Jam, and uh, uh, this which is a like uh, which they're Ivan White Reitman... missed Space Jam. <laughs> why? <laughs> hey, uh, why? look, 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 Jack Ryan Coogler really wanted to hang out with LeBron James. Okay, sure, ha- hang out to your heart's content, man. There's worse reasons to make a movie. Yeah,
4: that's uh, of... Anything anything with the Looney Tunes is a, in it is never a bad thing for me. I mean, even if it's not that great, yeah. but, like, it's... Baby yeah. Looney Tunes, even?
0: Or Lunatics Unleashed, which looks like someone... No, re- Lu-
4: okay, Lunatics, Lunatics Unleashed, Unleashed is... looks like a poor man's attempt to copy the Bruce Timm aesthetic. The thing about Lunatics Unleashed is that it's so far out there that I enjoy it. You know? It's it it like like in concept. I don't think I've ever like sat down to watch it, but like in watched, concept, I'm like, which is so stupid.
0: Actually, I mentioned that it felt like a that lunatics unleashed felt like a a poor man's Bruce Tim. Imagine if Bruce did, mm. Bruce Tim did something like heavy metal. That mm. would be cool. like the guy who did Batman the animated series and whatnot. Yeah, that I kind of want to see that, especially considering how we did a whole art book recently of stuff that's kind of NSFW. Hmm. And it's not as leering as this. It's actually more like uh, the opening like kiss kiss bang bang or the early bond movies yeah that. I mean that it's more mysterious than it is immature that's the one thing i think that keeps me like again a lot of the I mean, whether or not it's aged horribly is or I mean, is on the edge but again that level of immaturity is both its greatest weakness and arguably it's saving grace yeah it's so weird to me i mean that it's that duality anyway back to b-17 yeah, and oddly enough, I mentioned comic books and Bruce Tim and stuff like that. This doesn't remind me so much of heavy metal as it reminds me of a certain DC title from the '70s that's definitely influential on in art. Like Tank Girl had to have taken taking a few pages from it. It's called Weird War Tales. Gonna, okay, basically, like what if we inserted like skeletons and guys with robot art arms and all sorts right. of supernatural, sci-fi, fantasy stuff into like World War II or Vietnam or Civil War? Yeah, where like skeletons flying like World War One enemy ace stuff yeah it's, the covers were awesome i mean they even yeah. have like, i mentioned space ghost uh alex Toth, the guy created that and a lot of other shows for Hanna Barbera. even did the original super and also did some uh stories for that
2: mm.
0: it's legitimate nice. there's a a trade paperback of it that's out of print that i really want to get my hands on. it's it's good stuff it's good some one of the reasons yeah. i love 70, 70s comics more than any other era in comic books
2: mm.
4: i Here's- my opinion on b17 is I feel like it's just too far removed from the rest of it, and like yeah, I yeah. like I I don't like I I wish it existed in a, in a different thing because it's yeah. I feel like it's good. It's, is it too like good it's, movie? It's and like I yeah I think that like it's it's just such a tonal shift you know where all the other ones have like this air of ridiculousness to them where this one is very takes itself very seriously.
1: I I, I would agree with that. If it feels much more realized and, like, mature, kind of. It's
2: probably the best looking out much,
1: anyway. Less restraint. Much more restrained. Um,
4: Yeah. 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 I I like this movie on a level of it's so out there and ridiculous, and it doesn't care, and this feels not that. And I'm like, man, I want to like you, but not here. Not right now. I,
3: I want to see you on your own. Here's I, my here's my to
4: beef. To an extent. One of the reasons I kind of like
0: this is because, mm. right, is because, yeah, I'll agree that there's a lot of inconsistency, but I do like that we do get a sense of variety from it. Right. Like, yeah. I'm, that's one of the things I like in anthology movies is that, you get, right, is that you have an excuse to do more than one type of thing in one movie. It's why I love Creepshow yeah. so much. Creepshow, yeah, yeah. We need to do Creepshow at some point. Oh, <sighs> I love Creepshow.
4: Here's, we'll do, it, the I'll do it
0: next Halloween, not this October, because we already got a few, we have a few fun things planned, and I want to save this for something special. Because I nice. feel like we're kind of doing too many big titles all at once. Mm. That's the problem some podcasts fall into. Yeah, that, we've
3: we've deliberately had to avoid that with uh, Lost in the yeah. Vault by but like. Our... Yeah, that's for sure. Here's
0: and that's mostly my fault, by the way. Chandler is pretty much exempt. <laughs>
3: here's here's nah, it's my a, it's, a, it's a mutual thing. Here's my issue with B-17, if, Uh because I I don't think I said it, is that I feel like it's, and it ties in with like a problem of like the film as a whole, is that I feel like having like six shorter segments is to the movie's detriment because aside from like Harry Canyon and Tarna and maybe Den, nothing really like feels like fleshed out enough.
0: Really, to like. That's kind of the case with anthology stories, though. Like, I think something like this feels simple, right? Like, simple enough to benefit from that short story treatment. No, like, here's the thing. I cause feel kind of like because really the ending almost feels like something out of the Twilight Zone.
3: No, I feel, but the thing is, I feel like B seventeen it ends just as it's starting. Like, like it, mm-hmm. it's pretty much like just an extended World War Two scene. You know, mm-hmm. um, zombies appear. The guy jumps out of the parachute, lands on the island, more zombies, the end. Like, yeah, I feel like you could get, a, like, a lot of dramatic tension about, like, being, like, in a confined space, like a military aircraft with a bunch of the undead. Yep. But it pretty mm-hmm. much drops that as soon as it begins. Like, yeah, it, imagine
4: if they lingered. Imagine yeah, if it,
3: lingered mean, with yeah it had to have been time and budget, I imagine. Oh, yeah.
4: And
0: more or less, yeah. we've got yeah. a similar idea with Overlord. That could have been a separate over. feature. Yeah. That its all move. I mean, but that is—it's fun. I mean, one of those things I've learned when I used to be I mean, run this old vlog in high school called Matinee every day. I still do occasionally, mm-hmm. mostly for my year on top ten list. I mean, one one of the things I learned was review the movie you got, not the movie you. Yeah.
3: yeah no. But-, but I here's here's the thing. I get why that mentality is there, but you know, looking at it, it's it's absolutely a flaw of that segment. I just can't get past that because. That's fair. Because for whatever merits that B seventeen has, it just, just feels really poorly paced and doesn't live up to its full potential it as rushed. a story. Yeah, exactly. I would admit that it feels kind of
0: ring ru- rushing. Quick. Like, rushed. like I would. Lo- the whole thing feels like a mixture of Rod Serling early, early late sixties Hanna Barbera and uh, weird war tales. Like that ending looks like a twi- what if Hanna Barbera did a Twilight Zone cartoon? Yeah. Like oh, I would I love like for Hanna
3: Barbera Twilight yeah. Zone cartoon.
0: Yeah, I love. I don't know. I really can't. Again. I can't parse this movie critically. This, right, but I, I'm like, again. I think it looks cool, and I think it sounds cool, and that's enough for me. Sometimes that's enough for me. Again, yeah. like I know, I sometimes people think I'm this pretentious art house guy, but I can do both. I have, <laughs> I have multitudes. I can watch something like Jim Jarmusch's Dead Man and this in the same night and come away happy from both. Yeah. Hell yes. yeah. By the way, we're doing Dead Man next month. This is gonna be fun. That's oh yeah. Yep. Um. Is it, anyway, how many more is, segments do we have left?
3: Uh, uh, let's see. We're we on to to,
0: run to my personal favorite, favorite,
3: favorite so beautiful, so dangerous. It.
0: Oh yeah, that one is actually probably the only of the two comedy segments that's consistently funny to me. Yeah. Yeah. I love yeah. the yeah. full of space like,
3: cocaine.
1: That yeah, yeah that, that was very funny. I
3: was like, yeah, what? I love the, huh. I love the I love the gag where it's just like how much plutonium Nyborg we got? Uh, just one bag. And they pull it out. It's like this big bag that they've got to like mm-hmm. um pump like across the floor. Like it's like a floor cleaner. And then yeah. they're just like diving yeah. for it.
0: It looks like the kind of thing they use to clean ice skating rinks.
3: Yeah, yeah a Zamboni. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly anyway. right.
0: There's also a joke weird. in this that I think is the only time the movie's immature approach to random sex actually worked. Is the part yeah. where uh, the robot and the and you know, the secretary are going down the escalator and she looks at the buildings and they obviously look really phallic and she's like, "That reminds me, have you been
3: circumcised?" Yeah, I, I really like that. That's, okay, that's funny. I yeah. really like the. I really like when the robots like to the secretary. The, the robot, by the way, is voiced by John Candy, and then, like, the yeah. two stoner aliens are voiced by uh, Joe one Flaherty and Carol Harold Ramis. Ramis. Yeah, and yeah. one of them is Harold Ramis. Nice.
1: Um, I love yeah. the design of the robot. He looks so funny. Yeah,
3: yeah he, looks, but, he
0: looks adorable.
3: Yeah. Yeah, but, like, but the robot... <laughs> but, like, the yeah, the robot's a perv who lies about, like, uh, atomic radiation or disparity or whatever to keep the hot Earth woman I on the ship. That's
0: not even my favorite design in this segment. None of the aliens are mm-hmm. either. It's the dude in the, the government dude in the opening. He's like, this is not aliens or what. The dude in the song in the suit because he, Oh like, yeah. He an alien? He looks like, he looks like he's going to, or like a doppelganger or something. Like, like one F. of those Agent examples, where, like Agent Smith from The Matrix. Like, so, mm-hmm. something, so exaggeratedly normal that something looks suspicious about him. yeah. I love uh, that concept of this, movies.
4: This segment is the segment of the movie where I was like, oh, I could see this going on for longer and I'd be happy with it. Yeah. You I know, want like this them. one in particular. I was like, this was the one that felt like they had the most fun writing it. Genuinely.
3: Oh, right, this one. Like. Well, this one is one of the ones, one of like the three that's actually based on a story from the magazine. Nice. Yeah. I
2: think um,
3: these it was too right? No, feels- that, was an, that was a Dan O'Bannon original. True. Oh, Nice.
2: I think yeah.
3: Um, yeah. um, and then the other two originals, uh Tarna and Harry Canyon, were, shall we say, loosely inspired air quotes from yep. Mobius's stuff. Um uh, Mobius yeah. Harry Canyon was inspired by Mobius's The Lawn Tomorrow, and then Tarna was inspired by Mobius' Arzak mm. stuff. Which uh, I, sh-
0: I think the Tarna one's really cool, but we'll get to that in a moment.
3: Yeah. yeah. Um, but I really like the you mentioned, like, in terms of, like, immature body humor. I really like the robot's mm-hmm. line of, like, of course you will. E- lots of Earth women who get pleasure from mechanical uh, e- elements feel guilt afterwards. <laughs> I love how his hand is, like, rotating
0: like a drill, and yeah. then it just spins off. Yeah. Um <laughs> like, oh, shit.
3: <laughs> um, um, I'll, I also really like... The line at the very end with Harold Ramis being like, hey, listen, man, if you know, if I know one thing, it's how to drive while stoned. It's like, you know, your perspective's fucked. So You just got to let your hands work the controls as though you're straight. That's One of the things I like about one of the we mentioned
0: Harry Canyon earlier. Like one of the things I think it shows up in that segment in this one is how urban the dialogue feels. And like it feels like like normal people talking in space. Yeah.
3: and, and then, like, time. and then, like, immediately afterwards, the spaceship just, like, smashes into everything on its landing. Yep. I love it. Yeah. I love
0: the use of the Don Felder song, All of You, though, because it feels like this mm. ethereal, like, trip out. Like, yeah, where, like, it's so good. It just drift through, like, cosmic cloud. And also, the Starship Enterprise shows up at one point. Yes, <laughs> it does. I don't know how yeah. the hell they got copyright clearance for that, but oh, man. good I on you.
2: That that. <laughs> I'm
1: like, I love the shot where it's like a, it's a wide shot of the ship and it's like they they just zoom in um on the two guys like piloting it.
3: Yeah. They like cool.
0: make the ship feel for such a low budget.
3: Yeah, very smooth. There's like in, an occasional um instance, you mentioned the Starship Enterprise. There's always in that mo- in heavy metal like like, a very occasional instance of mixed media, like the use of photographs or models or what have you. Yeah. It, it sort of, like, gives me, like, a SpongeBob vibe and how they, like, well, use live action from that. MTV. That's why I bring up MTV. It doesn't just remind me of
0: those early bumpers, you know, like, the animations where they put together the MTV logo in weird ways. It reminds me a lot of Liquid Television.
3: Mm.
0: Yeah. which Yeah. You bring back Liquid Television.
3: That feels they like a- did, right they did bring back Liquid Television as like a website, but it was mainly just to like put up all of their like older like animated series, like uh, Beavis and Butthead and The Mask and Aeon Flux and uh The Max. Yeah, the Max was awesome I, The Max was- Mac, the Max is great. Do you remember when few they great turned v- come out of nineties image comics? Do you remember right- when they turned VH1 Classic into MTV Classic? And yeah, they were I like re- I still watch
0: MTV Classic occasionally. Well,
3: well, that's the thing. Now they don't air like any of the old MTV shows anymore. Now it's, it's just all just music. music. Videos, which I don't know yeah. how to feel about that. I don't know how to feel about that. Yeah. So it just became VH1 Classic and all but name. And apparently MTV Classic was supposed to be part of this, like this big like archival project that the Head of m t v wanted to do where like archive all the old stuff, but then the up higher ups at Viacom got impatient. They wanted like a big hit channel right away and not uh-huh. like like a slow build of archival, so they just fired the guy and replaced him with a new one.
1: Uh, uh, anyway, anyway, yeah, what's the next segment?
0: let's get to talk yeah. anyway, oh, yeah, which Tana. is it's probably my second favorite because I do think this one is actually somewhat well realized somewhat yeah. Yeah. This yep. one, this um, one, it up, it's kind of leering, but I still like the main character. She's actually yeah. gets a strong physical presence in the story without saying yeah. a lot. Like, yeah, I don't know. She, like she doesn't say anything.
4: I like that she doesn't talk.
0: <laughs> I like, I kind of, honestly, I'm wondering if this movie would have benefited with less dialogue. This whole thing, not just the segment. Oh, yeah. Yeah,
4: she, yeah totally. She, she was and really, was,
0: like this... a straight up mood piece. Like, something like, cool. like, or the Dark Crystal.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, yeah.
0: Like, I remember the original plan for the Dark Crystal was to, go, right, and, like, have an entirely an alien, like, for it but they thought it would be mm. too confusing for kids. No, and it
3: absolutely it would have been too matter. confusing. Are you kidding me? There's no way those big Skeksis puppets were gonna be able to like convey emotion without dialogue. Like, I remember
0: when I was little I saw the trailer for it on the Muppets from Space DVD
4: and I'm like, I'm not scared but I'm unsettled. I'm like please don't hurt me. Yeah it's it's one of those things where it it doesn't it does, Dark Crystal doesn't it like uh it it like there's parts of it that can completely like terrorize you. But it leaves you with, like, this sense of... It leaves you with a sense of dread, you know? Just looking at it. But, like, in, a, in an intriguing way.
0: I don't think it's... Because I mean, that's, that's more ethereal and I mean, an esoteric. Greg, yeah. I mean, this is definitely more tech-focused.
4: Yeah. I
0: mean, anyway, back to Tarna. I do like... I mean, this is the one where they use the Black Sabbath, which actually is really well used. because Yeah. It feels like yeah. And oddly enough, this is also... there's a, I was wrong. There are two Devo songs in this movie. Really? One of them is Through Being Cool, which is probably the geekiest thing they ever wrote.
3: Mm. Yeah, it's but Through Being Cool isn't I, on the soundtrack album.
0: Yeah, no, no, they left it off because, probably because of rights issues, let's be honest. But it fits because of, it feels... Also, I think that's supposed to be Devo as basically the Space Cantina Band. Mm. Yeah. That, that's a funny joke. Although I don't think Mark's Mother's is in this.
3: Um, that, um, that's... Um, um. I was going to mention, I remember... I'm not entirely sure how true that is, is that I heard from on like a radio station, like the series XM eighties on eight radio station nice. that from like the radio DJ that Devo um, initially wrote their cover, did their cover of working a coal mine, but their mm-hmm. label thought that it wouldn't sell. So they end up just putting it on the heavy metal soundtrack.
2: Mm, and yeah. then I guess I it got like a,
3: a lot, it, lot of right. radio play afterwards.
0: Yeah. That, it's weird to me that that's the one they use at the end credits music.
3: Oh yeah, definitely.
0: Yep. Yeah. It's weird that they don't end on Sammy Hagar's song because heavy metal, that heavy metal, I mean, that song is just great. I mean, really great good. hard rock. I mean, just, like, I, I mean, it's like I, like I always want to turn my brain off and thrash my head while I'm with the horns out. That is yeah. good. It reminds me of kind of a Molly Hatchet, which mm-hmm. ironically had Frank Frazetta I mean, paintings as album. I have the original pressing of their title album. Like Motley mm. Crue. Yeah. Yeah, Motley Crue is a good comparison too.
3: You mentioned Richard Corbin earlier. Yeah, in the terms of, Yeah, in terms of artists. Did, did you know he, did you know that he did the cover art for Bad Out of Hell?
0: He did? Interesting. Yeah. I know Boris Vallejo did the poster for uh, National Lampoon's Vacation. Oh
1: too. yeah, I didn't know that.
0: Le- yeah, Vallejo yeah. Is- yeah, Rosetta, Richard Corbin like, did the cover to oh, Bat
3: that. Out of Hell.
0: Yep, nice. Vallejo was cool. To, really, that whole stream of fantasy, Rain Van art is still one of my favorite things ever. Oh, yeah. Well, Rosetta also... Really, uh, I'd love to talk about Fire and Ice on here somewhat. <laughs> yep. Anyway. Tarna. All right, Tarna. And I th- actually, yeah, the, ironically, one of the parts that's the most immature is I think one of the coolest is when she's basically her suiting-up montage. Yeah. Like that shot kind of her just like holding up the sword underneath that giant statue is legitimately really cool.
3: Yeah, like, but but and you it, also got like the extended bit real. of like her dressing yourself with, yeah. you yeah. know, yeah. That, was that was a little long.
0: Surprisingly, really doesn't feel as pervy as the rest of the movie. It doesn't.
3: No, it doesn't. It's weird. Yeah. It feels like it avoids it the male one of the most pervy parts. It's it's weird because I feel like the Tarnis segment avoids the male gaze entirely on accident.
4: Yeah, no, it's it's definitely constructed so it like one you're supposed that, to know, like. One of the things I, I love about
0: this movie, but I didn't realize until recent viewings. I love Elmer Bernstein's score for this. Oh yeah,
2: which yeah. by yeah. the way,
0: want to know why he did the I mean, he did the uh, epic sound? Because before he was doing comedies like Ghostbusters and Animal House, or House, he did like classic like Cecil B. DeMille, Cecil B. DeMille epics and stuff like that. Like the dude was a legend, ran a legendary old Hollywood like Maurice Jarre or, or when it or Max Steiner when it comes
3: to composers. Mm.
0: like if you're a fan of classic film music you've got to look in elmer bernstein's discography
3: nice oh i love elmer bernstein you can and the
0: sad thing is you can't find it you can't find his score anywhere outside of youtube the great Mm
3: -hmm. escape that's another score he did right yeah yeah, it is
0: it's great that's a great one i still need to watch the movie though i'm embarrassed to admit i am
3: believe me there's so much on my blind spot list there's nothing to be ashamed of Mm, shall we? Yeah.
0: Shall we is... get around to the twist that connects Tarna to the end of the bookend?
4: I want to. Yes. I want to bring up one thing first. Shoot. Did anybody else get really, really sad when her pterodactyl thing got stabbed? Yes. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, I was, that so was, he was so nice. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to make sure oh, I wasn't God. the only one because I got an emotional attachment to that weird, like, screaming oh, pterodactyl. Demon, it
3: screams like you.
4: a man. I don't know <laughs> yeah. why, but I, I
0: don't know who. Been... In my head, I don't think it gets a name though.
3: Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I want to know who did those squawks because, yeah. it, like they sound so like so much like a guy who's mm-hmm. doing like a bird imitation. Yeah, and then, <laughs> but and, and yet it goes right back around to being charming. You, you know, really charming. Yeah. yeah.
1: He's so He just seems so nice and sweet. And
0: yeah, awesome. I want It, it reminds one. me of, um, it, what's, the, what's the dog dragon thing from the Neverending... Falcor! It kind of reminds me of that. Yeah.
4: It's very Falcor of him.
0: Anyway, also, that shot I mentioned earlier of her holding the sword of mine, that giant statue and the lightning coming down, I'm like, mm-hmm. you think the people who created He-Man, I'm like, that's what made <laughs> the last of us
4: go off and be like, wait a minute, this is He-Man! This She-Ra, is- She-Ra is just it's like, got to be based on Tarna. Like, it's, it's, la- it's
0: lamer version of Tarna. Yeah.
3: Wait, um, hold on. Does that mean that the Noelle Stevenson She-Ra <laughs> is Tarna's gay is, cousin?
4: It's, it's inevitable. <laughs> yeah. I guess. Like gay cousin.
0: I'm like, although, actually, I mean, I mentioned this, so I'm like, the closest we've gotten to Masters of the Universe looking like full-on heavy metal is probably mm-hmm. the comics for the last few years mm. which is surprisingly really cool yeah you know, skeletor actually looks kind of creepy like we're yeah. like we there's a meme now we like what yeah. we're like, i don't I like to freaking.
3: feel good i like to feel evil You're i am like, like, not nice i am
0: Is <laughs> <laughs> it sad to admit most of my experience with he-man is from robot chicken
3: <laughs> no, I think that's fair for anyone of our generation. Pretty much, pretty much all of our, um, pretty much all of our exposure to uh, 80s and 90s pop culture is because um, the older guys have had it regurgitated back to us. I feel like, yeah. I feel like future generations are. It's just going to be an endless feedback loop of. Of they regurgitated the 80s and 90s onto us, so we regurgitate our and version Hayden's of the Rory 80s and 90s onto them, to. and then they regurgitate <laughs> their version of our version of the 80s and 90s onto them, <laughs> the and they, the then cycle. Yeah, that's yeah. pop culture. Yeah, it's the like window. it's the like a copy of a,
0: Washington Washington. copy of a copy of a copy of a copy. We're already going back to the 60s. This, was, yeah. this didn't start now, this isn't a new thing. Yeah, no. but no, I you were
3: I'm the talking about the 50s were really
0: right to the 30s was because they didn't really have much pop culture to draw on.
3: Mm. I think. Look, uh, I don't know. I don't have a media analysis degree. I look, I am talking about like how before it was like the 30-year cycle, but then after that 30-year 30, 30 cycle ended, things disappeared into the ether forever, and now it mm. feels like that this re- repetition of the 80s and 90s because everything of our pop culture now revolves around the 80s and 90s thanks to the internet that it's just going to end up repeating those same two decades for all eternity
0: Mm. and with that i'm talking about i feel like it's
3: all the attempts
1: go ahead
0: when anyway Chandler, you go ahead or no wait
1: wait. no i feel like it's um every 20 years because like Mm. in the 80s the 60s we're in and yeah. like in the 90s the 70s were in and like now the 2000s early 2000s are coming back.
0: Yeah. I remember to, I, rem- I remember there was an interview with uh, Panos Kyzmandos, the guy did Mandy like picking mm. an era for your film was like picking a color time has no meaning anymore, which I love that idea that we can just mm. that we can just play with aesthetics now. Yeah. And speaking of reboots and stuff like that, uh, a lot of people have tried to remake this over the years, namely yeah. one David Fincher which Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. He was, he was going to do this with uh, Tim Miller and his uh, VFX animation company Blur Studio, which – here's the thing. He was going to direct the segment, and here's three other directors who were going to work with him. Zack Snyder, Guillermo mm. del Toro, and Gore Verbinski. Mm.
3: That would have been awesome. I heard yeah. James Cameron yeah, at I one problem
0: point. Was one, yeah, James Cam- – here's the thing. James Cameron wanted to do one at one point, but that was separate. And fittingly enough, Robert Rodriguez got the uh, rights at one point with his uh, company, Quickdraw. Which was a mm-hmm. an offshoot of his brand Troublemaker, but nothing's come from that so far. And I mentioned the David Fincher one because if you're a fan of Love, Death, and Robots, you have this franchise to thank for that. Because this yeah. is, this is based off of it. That reboot re- was basically just a we're in re- a Patient Zero for in that abandoned one. I mean, because they took a lot of the concepts they were going to do in that and just reworked into this. The fact I, that
4: it, the fact that the witness that one episode with the girl yeah. witnessing the murder. The yeah. fact that that won't, wouldn't exist without fucking Captain Stern or whatever the fuck.
0: I mean, the magazine actually does have some really good storytelling. Actually, one yeah. of the, I mentioned Alien in 70s sci-fi. One of my favorite yeah. things that uh, Heavy Metal ever published was, uh, they did, one of the things I miss nowadays because they're so rare, comic adaptations of movies. Mm. I bring this up because that's they in cool. a, 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 a Jim Steranko version of Outland, and a and a version of Alien by written by Walt, Archie Goodwin and drawn by Walt Simonson. Wow. One of famous Thor artists.
3: I yes. have not seen Love, Death, and Robots. Would you guys recommend it? Oh, absolutely. It, it's
0: great. I'm so you happy know, it's getting a season two. I'm so happy. Yeah. Oh, it is? It's, yeah. It's I'm great. still it's speaking. heavy metal if it kind of lean I mean, if it kind of waned off. If it leaned more into the mm-hmm. violence than the sex.
4: It's one yeah. of those things where it's like it it's it's one of those things where not every episode is a hit, but, like, they're so short, it's like, okay, and you can find ones that are really good, you know, yeah. and they really do stand on the own. Right.
1: It's yeah. one of the only adult animations that I've watched that's not comedy that's excellent. Mm.
4: Yeah, right. and even then, there's still some comedies
0: in there. Yeah, you know, yeah. Here's the thing. The problem with adult animation these days, it's all just comedy these days. Mm. Even it's like a sausage party, which is probably the last time anyone's tried to do this theatrically, Wait, yeah, it's still just a Seth Rogen movie.
3: I yeah. think doesn't um uh Genndy Tartakovsky got two adult animated films in development at Sony.
0: Yeah, he made Primal recently, which I lo- which I still need to get around to because that basically looks like what if Frank Rosetta did dinosaurs, and that yeah. sounds awesome to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
3: he's got like um he's got um a- an R rated animated comedy called Fix, mm-hmm. and then. He's got, I think, like a PG thirteen or R rated. I'm not entirely certain. Action movie called Black Knight.
0: Oh, nice. Anyway, I remember even this is the thing. I wouldn't mind the as much as that variety. And try to go mm-hmm. for the 40 Seth MacFarlane aesthetic. Like I watched the Harley Quinn uh, cartoon on HBO Max Max a yeah. and that is really we actually got some really creative animation, and it's funny, and it's I like mm-hmm. the character. I'm like, yeah, yes, more variety, please. Yeah, which is weird considering how. I'm surprised that adult animation like this hasn't made it come back, considering how popular anime has been in the, over the last, I don't know, 20, 30 years. Yeah. I think that would bad. push for a bit, or make a bigger push for it in the West, but so far it hasn't.
4: Yeah. It's the damnedest thing. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. Back go to, ahead. I had one more comment about Heavy Metal itself, I think. Yeah? And it's True. it's about that it had a sequel. Oh, oh yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Metal Two Thousand. I Which, haven't seen it, and I'm hurt. I, and from what I'm hearing, it's best that way.
4: I haven't seen it, but uh, my brain is like had made the connection between it and Fantasia Two Thousand for some reason, and I was like, "Is it just it's Fantasia? It's got to be the titles." Is is it Fantasia Two Thousand for people who don't shower? No, <laughs> I. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Go <laughs> <laughs> <'Cause, laughs> to shower and probably probably only decorate their house with Rosetta posters. Yeah, I I think <laughs> I, I think unlike
3: I, I not I to ruin your joke, there. Amanda. Uh huh. Not to ruin your joke, Amanda. I think uh-huh. the difference between heavy metal and heavy metal two thousand is that uh-huh. heavy metal two thousand is all one big story as opposed to an, mm. an anthology film. Also, I think it went direct to video, didn't it?
0: Hmm. I also I remember uh, watching Todd in the Shadows videos on that terrible Beach Boys album in the '90s, and t- mm-hmm. Mike, it's like the difference between Mike Love in the '60s and Mike Love now. Na- right now, yeah. I'm like, okay, you, when when your when your bullshit was tolerable then, it's definitely not tolerable tolerable yeah. now. Yeah, which I don't I don't mind heavy metal being a little immature and fun, and obviously the sex stuff parts of it, but handle it a little better.
3: Yeah. I feel uh, – like. Um, do you think anything ha- – any heavy, new heavy metal movie would work today? Oh, definitely.
0: Look, have you looked mm. at something like Into the Spider-Verse with anime? Like yeah. with animation – again, ne- if there's going to be a time to make a heavy metal movie, it's now.
1: David it's Fincher can do it.
0: Animation. Yeah. The limits of animation these days are pretty much l- non-existent. Yeah. I even have yeah. the
3: perfect title for it. What would it be? Yeah. Heavy Metal Rocks Off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's good. No, I- <laughs> It's funny because you know it rock and roll, but also it's a masturbation joke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who
4: would be who would be on the soundtrack?
3: Uh, what I'd would the Steve modern Ball. equivalent to be Post the Malone. heavy metal soundtrack today? Actually, like who would be on it?
1: Post Malone.
0: <laughs> uh, nah, I wait, wait maybe is the White was. I can't
3: believe. Run the, be, uh, Run the jewels. Run the jewels that could be on the awesome. soundtrack. Run the
1: jewels are amazing.
3: Yeah, yeah. like did you so see underrated. that? Like did you see that like music video they did with like Rick and Morty? If it was, is that? I love yes. the, yeah, yeah. I love that, but without Rick and Morty, that could be a heavy metal segment. Yeah, yeah. that would be awesome. Fuck yeah, that would be awesome. Actually, yeah,
0: let's make it. I think we're actually now let's do an even more eclectic lineup. Like get Arcade Fire and MGMT and King and fucking King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard in there. Yeah, like, that's like, great. Oh, Tame Can we, yeah, oh, yeah Tame, imagine Tame and do, were doing like that like that, that segment mm-hmm. in uh, the in the spaceship where they're like, literally just soaring through cloud, rain clouds and, st- and debris flying past, but they're all high, so it's like this state of bliss. Imagine
3: I how think, cool that would been. You things. think oh, Billie Eilish would be down to do like heavy metal? Oh, yeah. I feel like she'd be the no. Oh, no. come on, I like bad guy. She's I mean, cool. I feel
4: like it, it feels like it feels like an emo girl version of Annoying but No song. I think that like they could get like that. You could get a little pop with a new one, just like a little bit. If you had like someone who was like really into like uh doing like that really intense stuff, because there there are a lot of artists out there
2: like
1: that. Now. Maybe someone like Grimes.
3: Yeah. Well, not not Grimes now. Not Grimes think. in particular, <laughs> but
0: of
4: that, uh, of that.
0: Uh, I would like it. to have it take some, like, or some flavor of a rock feel, like, mm. you know, what, oh, you know, be awesome, Radiohead. Oh, yeah. Oh.
1: they would be all over this, that.
0: By the this way, this one's a uh, bit obscure. But how about which, uh, Chandler and I next year? We're going to cover a um uh, underseen Richard Linklater movie called *Scanner Darkly*, which I just finished Ooh. reading the, the book. Uh, uh, they actually use temp music from. Uh, for uh, that, they used Radiohead tracks. Mostly stuff off, off of Amnesiac and the uh, unreleased singles.
2: Hmm. Yep. Right,
0: mean, it's a good... I like. I love a Scanner Darkly. I mean, especially if Chandler... You said you do, I mean, don't... I mean, you're starred star for animation that isn't just comedy. I think that movie's really going to scratch that itch for you.
1: Nice. Looking forward to it. It's um,
0: also is one of the best movies to use... Ro- I can't... I'm sorry, I'm going off on a tangent. And again, we're going to cover this later, but I really love... Reading the movie, the music uses rotoscoping, and I'll get into why in that episode. Mm-hmm. It's a stroke of genius, especially considering how, uh, if you read the book, it's one of those things that's going to be really hard to do with the live action. Let's just say that for a few concepts. Mm-hmm. Also, the original <laughs> cover for the paperback is just insane. It's like this Johnny, Johnny Depp looking, we're with a with a marijuana cigarette. A joint. Why did they just call it a marijuana cigarette?
1: A marijuana cigarette.
3: Like your thing. like like George Michael on Arrested Development. I was gonna smoke yeah. the marijuana like a cigarette,
0: <laughs> or like one of those terrible um PSA movies, I know, like Reefer Madness again, like, which we mentioned episode last week. That's funny. Anyway, final ratings. Like, what would you give this out of ten? <laughs>
4: uh. I'm gonna go completely neutral and say five. <laughs> Is this there's...
0: like one of those two and a half stars? Like it's mediocre, or it's it's a complete mess? But I love parts of it.
4: Yes, it's the second one. Uh, right. I love Ruby. I love a lot of it. A, a lot of segments would get like an eight or nine out of ten for me, to be honest. But like as a as whole, a whole yeah. I'm gonna say six out of ten, actually. Nice. Yeah. Yeah.
3: I, did, I think I liked I don't, it more
4: than I didn't like it.
3: I don't believe in ratings. But I think I would do the same as the man and give it a six out of ten. Yeah. I I don't really either.
0: I literally only do the <laughs> segment just to have some sort of um or some sort it of should. closure on the episode.
1: Yeah, I I'd, I'd say a five. Like I I really liked some parts of it, but as a uh-huh. whole, it was kind like, kind of all over the place. But I, I I liked it. Yeah, oh,
2: yeah.
0: I give it I I give it a four. I'm sorry. That's,
2: fair. I'm, just That's say.
0: Say. I'm like yeah. Yeah, people who were gonna use this in like my, my film nerd cred. I'm like, I still. I'm sorry. I just.
2: This yeah, is probably
0: my, the closest I think I had to a guilty pleasure. Wait, four out of mm. five or four out of ten? Four out of five, like an mm. eight out. because you said out of ten, oh, okay. eight, said, reality, out of ten at first. So you're I'm rating me. this more how much I enjoy it than I'm. A, like it would, like it would be a six at best in terms of like actual skill and technical mm. stuff. But yeah. This really shows how well and how well goodwill can get you past some shoddy mm-hmm. filmmaking.
4: Yeah. Like, would if you have I...
0: enough stuff that sticks out well in people's memory, you they can be willing to forgive a lot. Would I, think...
4: I rewatch watch this? Absolutely. Like, it's one of those kinds of movies where I enjoyed it enough where I'd be like, yeah, I want to put this on again.
0: I'm wondering if this movie's reputation would still be as infamous as it is if it, if it got released on home video sooner. Mm-hmm because for a long time it kind of was treated like buried treasure because of well you know.
3: Mm. you know it was like out of circulation and also because it had animated boobs yeah yeah pretty much
0: all right yes. anyway let's move on all right uh, anyway
4: you all seen anything good recently have i right outside of this like outside... i've been watching jojo's bizarre adventure which is not a good thing but uh you it's know what the
0: best way I can describe JoJo's is like, what if Buckaroo bonsai just did not click together at all? Like
4: there, none of the. I, are- it's sad to me because I'm I'm almost finished it. Right, when I I'm talking about a scene and I have to say, oh yeah, the piss drinking scene, and the fact that there's more than one. <laughs>
0: it, it's like it reminds me of. There's a joke in Zero Punctuation where he's talking about Death Stranding. Ah, uh, mm-hmm. right? like, is there any other developer that can make me? I mean, think of a urine coloration filter other than Hideo Kojima. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I'm so happy that he's friends with Nicholas Winding Refn.
2: Mm.
0: Yep, like, that even appears, I mean, that the director of Drive appears in a video game yeah. as a guy called Heartman. That is awesome. Mm. I want to do a movie together. That would be, seriously, imagine how insane that would be.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: I... All right, actually, we've been talking about soundtracks for, for a Heavy Metal Reboot. Who would you like to see as directors, like, each one doing their own segment? You get oh, five okay. segments.
4: I want to see an Edgar Wright
1: one. Oh, yeah, Edgar Wright, Tarantino.
0: I don't uh, think Tarantino would do this, which is weird because he was talking about that Star Trek movie for the longest time.
3: Yeah, I Wasn't was. that Star Trek movie, didn't that turn out to be, like, pretty much like a – they go to, like –
0: Gangster, gangster.
3: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was basically
0: just going to be an episode of the classic series, but well, with more language and violence.
3: I'd honestly and, be down for that. I just wouldn't want it to be the last film he ever did. Is yeah, thing. N-
0: neither do I. I don't, I don't want that to be his punctuation mark. But, Although but, I would like to see him do more straightforward genre more often.
3: Do, I, do we really think that he's going to retire after 10 movies or is it going to be oh, like Hayao no. Miyazaki where he's always saying that he's retiring and like three I'd or five years like later, he's back at it.
0: I see it more like Soder or Steven Soderbergh where he says he's retired. He stays dormant for a couple of years and then comes back a lot.
3: Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. Do You
4: know who I'd want to see direct a segment shoot George Miller.
3: Yes. No. Mad
0: Max. Actually, Mad Ma- the road warrior dropped this, the yeah. same, the road warrior. I'm like, I, mean, so, I mean, so that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I do hope we get a Fury Road sequel at some point, though. The Wasteland. Yeah. That would be awesome.
3: Well, Again. I think he's going to do, sure. like, the Furiosa a... prequel first, isn't he? I think mm-hmm. so.
0: I'm not sure that's still in the cards, because I'm not sure.
3: They're not getting Char- Charlie Sterren for that, right? Well, no. The intention know. is that they're because it's a prequel, they're not doing young Furiosa. But honestly, I feel like doing, like, a prequel at all is a mistake, because... Yeah, because we learn whatever we need to
0: learn about that. Sometimes prequels just don't explain stuff, and that, again, we don't need to know. Like, I
3: get why people want to see a Furiosa prequel, but at the end of the day, it's going to end with her working for an evil tyrant, so why mm. would we want that, you know? Uh, yeah. Anyway. It's sort of like Monsters University,
0: yeah, um, I, where- I have a few ideas for who I'd want to do a heavy metal. Lay Winnell, yeah. S. Craig Zaylor, the guy who did uh, Brawl in Cell Block 99 and Brawl Tomahawk. hmm see here whoever i'm trying to see here who else i'm going through my letterbox right now james gunn i'd like to see mm. a new one. yeah yeah what else panos kismatos or the guy who made mandy yeah. Man. yeah i'm trying to think of people who would fit the tone like not just would this pop be color. live action or animated animated could mm. be both i know you want uh, different style like i also david
1: robert mitchell
3: oh yeah because i, mean, I feel because i feel like if this is going to be an animated. Yeah, because I cool. feel like if this is going to be an animated film, I'd want directors who experienced an animation.
4: Mm. Yeah. Hey, George, Miller, George Miller's experience in animation. He did have oh. Okay, sure. Him. <laughs> Him. Yeah, but good. I one mean,
3: one like...
0: Picture, like I get, I, I'm sorry. All right. Let's, okay, we're, we've been recording for like two hours now. We should probably wrap this up. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway. Dolan, where can people find you on the social media?
3: Um, you can find me at my Twitter handle, it's at Agatone. it's literally my name, that's spelled D-A-L-L-I-N-A-G-A-T-O-N-A.
1: Alright, Chandler? You can find me on Letterboxd, Chandler Williams.
0: You can find me on Letterboxd, Jack Roark, you can find the podcast at Warp Celluloid. And Amanda?
4: Um, you can find me, uh, on, uh, Twitter, at, uh, Amanda Unravels, or on Instagram at, uh, A-M-A-A-M-A-N-D-A underscore D underscore...
3: Oh, and we gotta plug our podcast too. Yeah, right.
4: It's at Lost
0: Vaultcast on Twitter, right?
3: Yeah, our podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Lost Vaultcast. You can yep. find us on Instagram as Lost Vault Podcast. Or you can listen to us either wherever you get your podcast, like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, you know, just search up Lost in the Vault. Or you can go to, to us on our website. It's anchor.fm slash lost in the vault.
4: Yeah, And you
0: can find Swarp Celluloid on iTunes, Spotify, and wherever else you get your fine podcast. I'm trying to yeah. think of a find that's like wherever finer books are sold, but I can't do it for the. <laughs> it doesn't work for podcasting. Anyway, every- yeah. thanks for listening, everyone. This was a fun episode.
3: it was. It was a bit it. overwhelming a, a bit. <laughs> But yep. like uh, constantly talking, like everything at once, like yep. going a mile yeah. a minute. But it was fun. Oh, this
4: like gonna be a nightmare. Edit. I can already. Yeah, tell. that's what happens when four people are talking at once. Yeah, yeah. I'm. Yeah. I, we'll have
3: to definitely work out the logistics when we uh, do uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest, on Lost in the Vault. Which, yeah, by the, the way, that's gonna be happening. It. Oh yeah. Anyway. All right, we're I gonna be doing. Another- it.
0: We'll also uh, we may or may not be doing a certain David Lynch film in next year. Maybe.
3: Ooh, yeah. We've also got that on the on the running too. That's if Lost in the Vault lasts that long though.
0: <laughs> you're implying, and you're implying Warp Celluloid will either. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see how they go. We've made it fifteen episodes. We can go a little longer.
3: Yeah. yeah. How long have we gone now, Amanda? What almost like a not, year. Not counting bonus episodes though. It's, like,
4: it, it we started in November. It's almost been a year. We've only Yeah, been but I mean like episode by episode. I Don't know.
1: Well, thanks for uh being guest it's been a great yeah, thanks episode for
4: having
0: us Th- thanks for listening everyone take yeah. care
1: peace out <laughs>